Jean-Claude Punches a Snake, two movies from one canceled director, and the end of the Cornetto trilogy this week on 30-20-10. Hello everyone and welcome to 30-20-10, hopefully not giving you any audio issues this time. I just jinxed the whole show, probably. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Take, uh, who else is with me this week, as always? Um, I'm Diana Goodman, and we are going on such an adventure. We're going to the first post, the old familiar, the famous cock, the cross hands, the good companions, the trusty servant, the two-headed dog, the mermaid, the beehive, the king's head, the hole in the wall, and then this podcast. What was that? <laughs> Holy shit, hire this woman. V.O. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and... What the fuck does WTF mean? <laughs> uh, I don't get that one yet, but I hope to by the end of this episode. Welcome to 302010, where we take a look at the pop culture war- past from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? 302010. Uh, this week, is au- we're recording from August 18th to the 24th across three decades, 1993, 2003, and 2013. 302010. Haha. Uh, so open up those three little windows and get ready to experience exactly what happened 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Uh, see what stages of your life changed. How little I, I, someone just posted in the, the hats off to the Facebook group, especially while the website was down. Because Jesus Christ, the Carrie shoes debate from last week might be like <laughs> the hottest <laughs> debate to ever rage. And then someone had posted like, "Man, 2003 is getting up on courting my wife and making me feel old as piss." Yes, that's what the show is supposed to do. Even even you, uh, uh, what Gen Z uh, should be making you feel a little old at this point. A lot of your favorite stuff's 10 years old. Paw Patrol? It happened last week. Uh, but let's get into this week, August 18th to the 24th, 1993, 30 years ago. Bunch of news, including one of my favorite news stories of the entire series. But first, Oslo Peace Accords are signed uh, after... Se- You're not jazzed for the Oslo Peace Accords? I guess that's cool. The Oslo Peace Accords. Uh, secret negotiations in uh, Norway went down and then followed by a public uh, ceremony in Washington, D.C., the following month. Oh, boy. Yay. Israel and Palestine shaking hands. Going to have a two-state solution. Yeah. The Israeli army is is mandated. They're going to withdraw back uh, out of Gaza and West Bank. Everything's coming up roses, yep. everybody. I, I, at, at this point, I think it's clear sailing for the Jews and Palestinians. Uh, it's yes. going to be great for about nine years. And then it's uh, going to hit the fan, and it's going to be Israel's fault that time. So, fuck! Am I ever going to get to see a Palestine? I want to see an independent, free Palestine. I don't see how it's any closer, but... uh, No, it's farther than ever, probably. And uh, fuck, but oh my god, the idea of, yeah, there's Bill Clinton making them, they're shaking hands, and everything's looking great. It wasn't lip service, and... uh, in, no. yeah, and, and then also another depressing news. News breaks that Michael Jackson is under criminal investigation for child abuse. Who knew? Uh. He adds Johnny Cochran to his defense team, uh, busting, you know, <laughs> proving once and for all he's guilty. Uh, yes. <laughs> Little clip of that. Michael Jackson has maintained his innocence from the beginning of this matter. The resolution of this case is in no way an admission of guilt. By Michael by Jackson. hiring me. And Tom. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But yeah, flashing forward a year, my memory is that the vast majority of people were rooting for Michael oh, Jackson. Oh, yes. And yeah. the vast majority of people were rooting for OJ to be convicted. 
You know, that's mm-hmm. how I t- remember these. I don't. I, I don't. I, well, white people were. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I remember people on the news were rooting for like kids. I mean, I you know went to school with a lot of black kids, for, but like, no, I didn't think anybody was particularly had cared one way or another. It was adults mm-hmm. that seemed to. And I'm I'm a little young. That wasn't than you. my school. My yeah. my school. Every we'll we'll get to it when mm-hmm. it's OJ. But in terms of Michael Jackson, I, I recall lots of disbelief mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yep. I, but it's 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 still the case that people don't want to believe it, despite all the. He's evidence. not canceled. You hear his music. Yeah. It's bizarre. All the goddamn time. It's totally bizarre. Uh, we've lost so many Christmas songs for lesser reasons than what Michael Jackson did, and. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on to uh, a little marriage news. Kim Basinger and Alec Baldwin, two of the most beautiful people in the, of the 90s, the early 90s, get married, and they stay together for a while, long enough to host yeah. SNL. It's a good episode. About, about nine years, about as long as the Oslo Peace Accords. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, long enough to have their own Simpson episode, which is how their marriage yes. is immortalized for all time. <laughs> the Simpsons <laughs> should write down to never do that again. It will date the <laughs> Simpsons will never look dated unless you portray a celebrity couple as being married, playing themselves. Anyway, <laughs> uh, anyway, and also this week, best of all, the greatest wrestling debut of all time occurs at WCW's Clash of Champions 24. Tell them, Sting. <laughs> And a chubby man falls through a wall to his face, his helmet falls off and his face is exposed and the announcers can't speak because they are laughing so hard. It is one of the funniest oh. clips in wrestling history. And if you have not seen it, it's easy to find. Look up Shockmaster. It's like the only wrestling clip I know. It is a big, big fat guy wearing a storm Star Wars Stormtrooper helmet that's like glittered. <laughs> and, and they're like, the Shockmaster. And they just cut to a wall and he's supposed to break through it. And he just sort of falls through it and falls down really awkwardly it, and the helmet goes I off. don't want to go there's glitter they're like kind of littering the ground <laughs> I don't want to go on too long I've heard it was there was it's a so beam great. put there on purpose to trip him this ruined his career and he became oh. they had to steer into this and make him a klutz character but he was wearing a stormtrooper helmet so somebody else could provide his voice off camera so he could talk like this i don't know why he couldn't talk like that because everybody can uh but it, it's hysterical they sell an action figure that is upside down uh for the Shockmaster. uh <laughs> but fred ottoman his career i think he's doing okay now but like it really like kind of ruined his wrestling career Shockmaster, one of the silliest moments in one of the silliest professions of all time it's so good <laughs> and <laughs> happy anniversary Shockmaster. wow um, and uh, let's get into movies of 1993, August 18th to the 24th, because there are stupidly a lot. Uh, first up, well, yeah. Fugitive is still number one, so I wasn't wrong when I said it was still dope. I hate, I've i had too many conversations with people. My movie friends uh, went out this. I went out to Cap City, my local micro video haunt, and uh, what good movies have you seen lately? And I just kept saying The Fugitive. I'm sorry. And everyone's like, yeah, I remember it was kind of good. Like, no, 
watch it again. It's it's very very good. It's much I'm better just than bitch <laughs> one more time. It's a shame non-genre films so rarely get re-released in theaters yeah. because The Fugitive mm. should absolutely be a big screen THX Dolby experience. It's you great. Know? It's like I, I feel like the same way I'd go see Vertigo every year at the Castro Theater in San Francisco. Chicago should be showing The Fugitive. All right, yeah. but yeah. this week, Wild Napalm, Wilder Napalm with Deborah Winger, Dennis Quaid, uh, Arliss Howard, and Jim Varney. What? Wilder yeah. Napalm. So, man, this week, all the big Hollywood stuff is sort of, eh, we'll see, but we have a lot of really good indie movies. This is not so much one of them. It is uh, about two brothers who are pyrokinetic, and then they get into a goofy love triangle. But with it's Jim worth Varney? pointing out, Jim Varney, Here's a shocker. He works at a carnival. No. I know. Typecasting. <laughs> How does he pull it off? But it is def- It's notable because this is a first screenplay from a little boy that no one liked named Vince Gilligan. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, he's got a second episode of Breaking Bad uh, premiering in 20 years of season six. Yeah. Um, exactly. 20 years later is King of the World. And right here he's making an indie movie that everyone kind of went like, well, that was cute, but nah, not great. Uh, wow, God, he's so he's so folksy, Vince Gilligan, and his first screenplay is a goddamn Carney saga, this Carney superhero saga. Um, well, I mean, if you just happen to be pyrokinetic, like, what other job do you want? I don't like, know. The last Ernest you, you Ernest just, usually like works in a bank or something when he develops superpowers. You know, uh, now I mean, the good, I guess the question is if you can only start fires or if you can control fires. Because if you can control fires, then obviously become the best firefighter in the exactly. world. Exactly. We help help, you know, help out our our friends in Maui right now. Would be great. Yeah. Please stop that. If uh, so, Ernest could fly over there and put it all out. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's sort of dream. like eh, it's cute, whatever. But yeah, it's more notable than it is good. As opposed to the next movie. Which, oh my God, am I going to go to bat for this bad boy? Oh, I don't know anything about it. Heather Graham, David Chung, Ian McKellen, Bo Hopkins, Susie Amis, The Ballad of Little Joe. Which is not streaming anywhere. Yeah. Except some fucker put it on YouTube. Oh, okay. I love this movie. This is, it's a Western. And it's kind of like, it feels like this is what would happen to me in the Wild West. In that she is a woman. She's traveling on her own. She realizes... I'm going to get raped and murdered if I keep doing this. I can't travel on my own. And uh, she becomes a man and she lives as a man in the wild west. And she does That's that it. for generations. And it's a true story, too. It's true story. And yep. uh, it's insane to us. But in cultures that have very, very strict dress codes for genders, people just got fooled a lot more. There are so many cases from the 19th century and earlier of uh, women dressing as men and people just not picking up on the cues because they just saw the surface level. Well, you're wearing men's clothes, so obviously you're a man. Um, yep. I'm not supposed to kiss that. This. <laughs> this I can kiss, this I can't kiss. <laughs> but this is a huge recommend for me. I had yeah. no idea what it was about going in. I watched it blind and it pulled me in. It's a really well done western this this is a western that needs to be rediscovered mm. this mm-hmm. was part of the rebirth of westerns we got from unforgiven and i've never heard of it until this moment oh yeah no this was one um was definitely very much talked about i took in film school i took an entire class on women in the western and it was probably my favorite class because the western is a very masculine genre 
where everyone is an archetype. And how many female characters in Westerns can you come up with? Hookers, yeah. wives, Calamity Jane, and that's it. Arms and Calamity Janes occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And that's about it. And this is about someone who's looking to the promise of the West just like anybody else is, but she can't be any of those things. So she becomes a man and it's she she ends up, you know, like having a relationship with a Chinese guy who's, you know, also an outsider who's also being mistreated by everybody and trying to keep the secret and just trying to survive, man, and and ends up, you know, flourishing. She she tries to live her best life and the only way she can do that is a man. If you like Deadwood, I would put this really high on the recommends list. It has kind of the same kind of gritty lived in vibe it's very unsentimental and very like oh yeah everything's muddy all the time (laughs) everybody's lips are always like blistered and sunburnt it's gross yeah so Mm. huge recommend minor nitpick that i do for almost every western out here the people in this movie is old and in the real old west it was filled with young people okay Mm -hmm. the median age in the u.s in the 1870s was 19 years old (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, it was a young country. Uh, Six children was the norm. Uh, You know, uh, that's a higher birth rate than Burkino Faso today. It was a completely different culture because everyone was young. And guess what? The old folks didn't go to the frontier. That was Mm. a a preacher if you were lucky. But mostly it was a young single dudes and sometimes their wives and a ton of kids. But you watch the old West movies. It's like nothing but gray beards. And that that just wasn't the case. Well, I, I mean, yeah, but you definitely have people like Ian McKellen's character who really, really has issues with women and, and mm-hmm. can't really fit in anywhere. And he just has to keep moving because, you know, he's just left his trail of unhappiness and destruction wherever he goes because he's a terrible person. And every now and then he shows like a good side. But um yeah, and I became desperate after He's I heard awesome. Seth Rogen's comments about keeping tr- keep trying in the film industry, and he used Ian McKellen as an example. Like that guy got famous at sixty, and like, yeah, where are all my pre X Men Ian McKellen experiences? Here's one. <laughs> here you go. Found one. Uh, yeah, I, here you go. He's great in it. Yeah, Ballad of Little Joe is like and one please, of my top ten movies in '93. Honestly, Joe with it. a J O. If you use an E. You will get Veggie Tales, and that is not what we're talking about. <laughs> um, and then, uh, even more confusingly, R.I.P. Dale Gribble, um, Amber Benson, Catherine Heigl, Adrian Brody, Karen Allen, Lisa Eichhorn, uh, Joran Crab, sure, uh, Jesse Bradford, and and uh, King of the Hill. Uh, but but actually, just <laughs> a Steven Soderbergh movie. <laughs> damn it, Steven Soderbergh! Oh, damn it, Steven! <laughs> Uh, yeah, another big old recommend. I went into this. I also went into this one totally blind, though. It's like I'd heard it was good. I know it's Steven Soderbergh. It's a period piece, which he doesn't make a lot of. Let's see how this goes. And it was fucking great. Every time there's so many young actors in it because it's about a kid. Adrian Brody pops up. He's 20. Catherine Heigl pops up. She's like 15, 14. I'm like, what the is that's totally Catherine Heigl. Anyway. Uh, So this is about Jesse Bradford, who's from, I know him better from uh, Bring It On. And it's an autobiographical story of a kid during the Depression and his family. And goddamn, how they have to survive by breaking up their family and just like the constant 
they're like constantly hiding and sneaking around to keep them keep going you know like first they're like we can't feed two kids we're just gonna send one kid off mm. he just has to leave now and then it's up oh, mom's got consumption she's got to go to oh well dad's got a job oh finally dad's got a fucking job oh it's a traveling salesman in another state uh you're 13 you can keep it together right you can <laughs> just stay living in this sort of ratty hotel here's 25 cents that'll keep you okay bye mm. and just him trying to it, it's kind of it kind of made me think of like a slums of beverly hills situation where it seems like all of the other kids at school are doing really well and their families have quite a bit of money and like like they've snuck into this school district and are trying to get him a good education but he has to lie about where he lives what his parents do what's going on uh cops are always beating on people don't trust any authority figures everyone's mean because it's the depression and no one's got shit i liked it um and okay this is gonna get weird and yeah well uh, uh, just like go for it i'm trying to think like i'm trying to think of like if i'm recommending a movie that people haven't heard of like what is this movie like and i'm not really sure and i'm not sure why steven Soderberg. May, I, I'm not sure. I was surprised that Steven Soderbergh made it because, like I said, he like never makes period pieces. Mm. But this, like, I really did feel the pressure of what it'd be like to be a little kid scrounging during the depression. But it always stays kind of lighthearted. Like it's not, it's not like precious. Okay, <laughs> it's not depression, literal depression porn. It was like, oh, kids being wily, coming of age, being sneaky, trying to do whatever you can to fucking stay fed. Uh, Making ketchup soup for dad. There's a very similar children's story in this very same segment that, uh, oh, well, they make a great pairing. Oh, boy. You get to talk about a Woody Allen movie. And I feel like I'm going to bring up my dad a lot during this segment. Uh, Alan Alda, Angelica Houston, Woody Allen, and Diane Keaton in Manhattan Murder Mystery. And this has the distinction. uh, I grew up, look, look, I grew up in a household of a father who was a nerd pre-internet so like all he kind of had was magazines and npr and there was always a woody allen there was very regularly a woody allen movie playing in my house usually rented we didn't have premium cable uh that i would not pay attention to and did not like until this one manhattan murder mystery if for some reason uh people don't hate it but it is very it is very surface level and silly and woody allen is is kind of like what do you call it? He's barely the lead in this. He's he he doesn't really get like a hero moment until the end. This is the Woody Allen movie where that nervous Jewish fella is the least annoying. <laughs> still annoying. Because because his character has absolutely every right to be acting how he's acting. His character is like you're breaking the law to try to solve this crime and I don't even think it's a crime and the wife is trying to solve it and turns out she's right. But up until she finds some hard evidence, she is like breaking the law left and right. And, uh, being chased in the arms of Hawkeye. Oh boy. Oh boy. Mm. Dynamite lover, Alan Alda. Uh, but yeah. So this is the, the, uh, the last teaming of Woody Allen and Diane Keaton, because you know, the Mia Farrow unpleasantness has already happened and we have already talked about that. And this is probably would have been Mia, uh, in different circumstances, but, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, gets Diane back. They reteam. This is basically a dropped plot from Annie Hall. Really? Annie Hall huh. originally had a murder mystery subplot. <laughs> His co-writer was like, what are you doing? That's stupid. Don't, don't even bother. Just, <laughs> just do the relationship stuff. It's better. So this is kind of uh, 
it's almost uh, it's related kind of and how about uh jr the murderer is is hesh He's looking the exact same age he is in the sopranos like 15 years later 100 percent. it's it's amazing that that fella did not age much in the next 20 years uh but i yeah it's it's one of the it's one of the better later woody allen movies or Really? Yeah, so I even, I even 90s, looked at, 90s and beyond. I yeah. even looked it up in a couple of rankings, and people put this in Woody Allen top ten. I'm not asking anyone out there to care about that, but uh, well, so the number of Woody Allen films that I have enjoyed has increased by two in this episode. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, it was at zero because I'm not a Woody Allen fan. I only started watching him for this podcast and all the ones on the podcast. I'm like, why do people like this guy? Manhattan murder mystery, mildly pleasant. Yeah. It's it, not amazing, but it's a mildly pleasant film. It's, it's, it's almost, it could easily have masqueraded as a mainstream film. I think if he wasn't in it, mm-hmm. like <laughs> otherwise mm-hmm. it's just, a, but I even looked at it like kind of killed at the box office is because his movies don't cost anything. He underpays like the highest paid actors in, in show business and, makes these uh, an annual movie every year and like two takes and here you are Manhattan murder mystery not bad but even if I'm not going to recommend that over the, over the next movie and I'm, I'm gonna keep saying yeah if if there's a film that you're interested in by a filmmaker you don't want them to get your money steal it it's moral yeah yeah I say go ahead yeah but yeah I mean how well does his movies do at the box office yeah it's getting good beat by the next movie which is like i don't think this is actually a movie right this it, is like a it's not only a movie it's like a, a nickelodeon series of interstitials it is masquerading as a film maybe. it is a glorified game gear commercial but uh <laughs> it, it is a movie and it takes the 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 rays and puts them in a movie with a shining star of snl and naked gun and uh Ace Ventura. I'm trying to tone loke. Uh, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen, Rob Snyder, Ernie Ray's Jr. and Senior in Surf Ninjas, and my sister and I loved this movie. We loved I'm it. Sure, you did because you are dumb children, and this is trying to appeal to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle set. It, it, yeah. it stars a Ninja Turtle, the guy who was in exactly. the suit. Yep, I can absolutely see why if. This was one of the four VHS tapes your household had. You would like this film, and it would have a special place in your heart. As a 45-year-old man who has no (laughs) nostalgia for this, good Lord, was this a slog. It was just, like, painful to watch this. You didn't even like Rob Schneider's Scottish character more than anything Mike Myers has ever done? I I will say this. I give props to a children's movie that is willing to have its child protagonist kill many, many people. <laughs> Every one of those child has a high death count in this film. And it also lets Leslie Nielsen grab his dick and simulate jerking off at the end of the climax, which, wow. It's quite a see that today. Yeah, I cannot. Okay. I, I'm not. I didn't even bother to watch it because I will not defend it. It's one of those movies that I have memorized in a compartment of my brain that I very rarely access. I know I had fun with it, but yes, it was one of a dozen VHSs we had in the house. And for gamers, it's tends to be mentioned because they use a Game Gear, <laughs> like like it is like an FBI sanctioned iPhone. And well, in, in the plot of the film. The Game Gear, my interpretation, is it is a 
device that the child who would have visions in a previous time right. uses to conduct his vision. It's like a in conduit. the old days, he would have used a mirror or a sacred book. But because he's a radical kid from the 90s, dude, it's a Game Gear. And that's how he gets his vision. And the future. because of this, there is a baffling video game for Game Gear called Surf Ninjas that I cannot imagine. You know, there weren't a lot of games on Game Gear, so <laughs> there is a high probability you came upon it. But uh, it is completely lost to time, the game, because there's very rarely any Game Gear games re-released unless they have Sonic in them. And uh, But Surf Ninjas, man, I'm telling you, someone, if, I, if we get the website fixed, Facebook group, tell me I'm not the only one who grew up loving Surf Ninjas. It was a fun kids I film. I do have to shout out Leslie Nielsen because he is starring in a much better movie than he is in. He is like every scene with him. <laughs> yeah. He like nails the comedic timing in a way that makes you even more aware of how bad every other scene is. It, and it's the weird guy. because I don't normally like Leslie Nielsen being intentionally funny. I like him being a very serious oh. character actor. And he is he kind of. He, yeah, he's, he's doing a good job. That's him in this one. He's playing it again. He's the straight wow. man who doesn't know he's in a comedy. He's like completely serious when he does all these goofy things, and that's why it works. He, it is one of the silliest villains in any movie ever, and you could they have to keep him away from the main cast because he would get beat up by anybody, even the little <laughs> kid. Uh, and uh, then, uh, Have you ever surfed, Chris? I Yeah, but not well. Yeah. Diana? No, boogie boarding. I, I've tried four to five times in my life to surf. And in those four to five times, I've probably stood a grand total of 10 seconds. Yeah, like that's combined. kind of where I'm at. Not yeah. 10 seconds at a stretch. 10 seconds nope. combined through my five attempts. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard. It is it's freaking and at hard. The very, yeah. the very end of the film, they have a bunch of kids who have never surfed get one lesson okay do your knees and do your legs and then they surf fine and i'm sorry <laughs> surf ninjas my suspension of disbelief was with you up until this moment 100 <laughs> percent. but that's a bridge too far well speaking of the suspension of disbelief <laughs> oh my goodness this is wonderful <laughs> this tickles. this is i think the third rated r movie i was taken to see in theaters by my dad, who had been informed through whatever area of nerddom that John Woo was a great director, and this is his first American movie. So we were there week uh, one. Yeah. I have never heard of Jean-Claude Van Damme, never seen one of his uh, movies. Uh, we didn't have premium cable, and I, I wasn't really allowed to watch rated R movies. So uh, that's where I was at. But you know who my family did love? Wilford Brimley. Uh, Arnold <laughs> Voslo, Yancey Butler. They loved him. We were a Lance Henriksen household. He's in this too. And JCVD in John Woo's Hard Target. We got a little game we'd like you to play with us. On Friday, August 20th, hunting season begins. Start running. McGraw is the target we're after. Look at it this way. You're going to get to meet Elvis. From internationally acclaimed action director John Woo. Give it a rest, pal. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hunting season is over. Here's the hard target. Rated R. Woo! Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie cracks me up. Yeah, I, I got this. Like, I got the this. Behind the scenes is so crazy where it was like, John Woo wants to come work in America. You know, he's got a great reputation because we've had, I mean, his best movies, honestly, have all come out hard boiled last year. The Killers, or the, the Killer, um, 
better tomorrow. Mm-hmm. He's got this amazing reputation, but he's kind of the first Asian director Hollywood has ever hired, and his English isn't great. Mm. And they're worried that he's maybe this isn't going to work out for him. So they get Sam Raimi in and they have Sam Raimi babysit him. And Sam Raimi's babysitting is basically do what he said. <laughs> he's basically gets to sit around just watching John Woo work. He's like, yeah, sure. No, no, I'm 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 babysitting. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> I'm watching John Woo. <laughs> uh, I love Sam Raimi's quote. He said, OK, he doesn't ha- speak English that well, but. John Woo at 75% is going to be better than any other director you can hire who's at 100%. Yeah. Yeah. A- I, absolutely. I remember at this point I'm I'm reading like box office returns and this fared pretty well uh first week like uh and Jean-Claude Van Damme wasn't, you know, like a huge box office breaker, but I think part the, the movie's pretty I watched it with a crowd um recently oh. like recently <laughs> um in a theater. And but like 93, 94, time. that's like Jean-Claude Van Damme's height. It is. I don't think yeah. he gets any bigger than he is this year and next. Yeah, um, yeah, but it may be Time Cop, which I think is next year. That, that's about it. Like, he's always been sort of a B-tier guy. And this is about as good as it's going to get for him. Because, yeah, he's working with a great director. Part of the problem, though, is that he's a martial artist. And John Woo specifically was like, I don't want to do a martial arts film. I'm kind of sick of doing that. Mm. So, but I'm, I love my gun ballet. So I'm going to do a lot of gun ballet. So there's, there is some martial arts. There's a lot and lot, tons and tons of gun ballet. Everyone's shooting up close and missing everybody. It's kind of ridiculous. It, it kind of bugged me that we got to the end of the movie and then Jean-Claude Van Damme takes his shirt off to his undershirt. Ooh. And I was like, oh my God, he has, I haven't been seeing the muscles from Brussels this whole time. <laughs> just just a, den, a tucked what? in denim shirt the whole movie. <laughs> what, a, what a fucking waste. What are you doing, movie? How dare you? I, I didn't realize what I was missing. God damn. I, I thought this was a great, bad, not a bad yes. action movie, <laughs> but a, a entertaining Cheesy. as fuck movie all the way through in 2023, yes. period. It is very cheesy because the plot is evil Lance Hendrickson and his henchman Arnold Vosloo, yeah, the the mummy, getting to use his regular accent. He's a South African. Didn't realize that. Uh, they hire homeless veterans to hunt them for, for as sport. the most dangerous game. This is one of yeah, three movies yeah. coming out in like the next eighteen months with this yeah. plot. <laughs> and yeah. the really weird thing for me is there has been no case of anyone hiring someone to get homeless and then hunting them. But we're going to talk about in this episode as close as we've ever gotten to someone doing the dangerous game. Oh, the most dangerous game. Really? In this episode, yeah. Whoa. No, no, sorry. Next week. Next week. Oh, my bad. What a tease. Everyone stop listening. (sighs) Tune in next week. Yeah. Uh, Right. So. So Yancey Butler's dad was murdered. She comes to town looking for him. She comes to New Orleans. So we have an excuse for JCVD's accent. Thank God. Um, and he decides he's going to help her find her Diddy. He always says Diddy. <laughs> going to help her find her Diddy. And then, yeah, stumbles into this most dangerous game thing. And then they hunt him. And then everyone blows up everything. Until the best part where he goes out to the bayou to his Cajun Uncle Wilford Brimley shack. Woo! Where he's making the white light. And everything gets a thousand times better. And you're like, oh, this should have been the whole movie. Come on. Uh, the action Oh. You have never in your mind pictured Wilford motherfucking Brimley taking down dude after dude. It's incredible. Like he's John Rambo 
in retirement years because that's what you see here. I I have watched the shot of him riding away from a massive explosion. It really looks like him (laughs) on a horse because it It is him. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. It looks like a very chubby man being bounced around on a horse with his legs completely spread out wide. Like he like the cover of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) It's hilarious. Apparently he he insisted uh, with a giant explosion behind him. And they're like, this is going to be dangerous. And there's so much fake gunplay in this. It like it was it got dangerous sometimes. They'd have to put up bullet shields all over the place because, you know, even blanks can hurt a guy. We've talked about this, uh, unfortunately. So there's only once or twice where there's a bad stunt double for JCVD. I mean, probably the point where he's standing on top of a moving motorcycle, shooting at guys with both hands. <laughs> you know, it's good, like man. You do. It's good. But yeah, it, it does. It does make New Orleans look pretty good in a very comically seedy kind of way. Yes, I, I do. That's obviously filmed on location. It's really got got the bio. Yeah. Oh my god. And and uh, I I lo- somewhere like, out this there This is the the best version of uh, this level of cheesy action I think yes. you'll ever get. Yes. Like the the kind of thing you will in like 2 years would be relegated straight to HBO yet this feels expensive and special. Mm. Uh, he and he does knock out a snake. I I didn't, I didn't I'm not teasing <laughs> you here. It's there's almost no need for the scene to happen and it does and you're we're all better off for it. He punches a snake in the face. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and this is cheesy goodness. This is oh, so good. Have beers with your friends while watching it and be in a good mood. That's uh, that's how I did it. My friend rented a theater for his birthday and showed twenty five people this. In like you oh, almost couldn't my. hear the dialogue because the the hooting, hollering, and laughter was so infectious. It was great, great experience. But I think this might be other than Time Cop. Maybe Jean Claude Van Damme's best film. Yeah, because because he, he has very little yeah. to do with why it's good. <laughs> and I mean, again, Universal Soldier had moments, I suppose, I and uh, Bloodsport yeah, has. Moments. I'm not there. Yeah. Bloodsport, I saw when I'm I was like there. 27. Like I, it just I didn't grow I didn't grow up with it, and I don't care. But this, this I didn't love it when I saw it. I was like, thanks, Dad. Thanks for my third rated R movie. And he was like, Yeah, that was. Huh. It's not really his type of film, but he was told John Woo was someone to look out for. Um, Man, he he was right. Yep. Gun ballet. That's what this movie should be called. Gun Mm -hmm. ballet. Oh, my God. Everyone in this movie should be deaf. (laughs) Okay, And uh, moving on to television, which sucks this week. Uh, There's a TV movie with Kiefer Sutherland, Forrest Whitaker and Clancy Brown. That's a great cast, but I have not seen Last Light. It's not the Metro game. Don't go looking nope. for it. Uh, the- uh, he first stars as a guy on death row, and he also directed. Ooh. Good for him. Uh, the Building debuts on CBS. A girl moves back to Chicago trying to start her new life in an apartment across from Wrigley's Field. Last oh. five episodes. And- yeah, last five episodes, but it's the first thing produced by David Letterman's new company, Worldwide, Worldwide Pants, Pants, that he got in the, in the deal to move to CBS. And and he throw, he tries it on Bonnie Hunt, and that's that's a good that's a good gamble. People like Bonnie Hunt, but no, it, it doesn't end up working out. But this, but also seeing that oh, like George Clooney has like a small part on it, and makes me realize oh, we're right probably at that magic moment thirty years ago, with one of my favorite stories of all time, with uh, him playing Bill or George Clooney and Bill Lawrence, the eventual creator of Scrubs, playing 
basketball at the Hollywood Y and complaining. George Clooney being like, my career's going nowhere. I can't get anything off the ground. I got an audition for something called ER. I've already been on a show called ER. Uh, I'm just nothing. I'm stuck in time. This fucking sucks. And then uh, Bill Lawrence says, yeah, and I just got like my, uh, they want me to send some scripts in for a show called Friends. What the fuck is Friends? This is the most generic title ever. I I can't be on a show called Friends. No one's going to watch that. And uh, yeah, that's that's <laughs> a good lead in to because this did not suck. Exactly. I watched I watched a ton of this show actually. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's the debut on the Fox <laughs> Network. Single in a nineties kind of world. I'm glad I got. Oh, I didn't get the lyrics right. But yes, placing your show after Martin will definitely get me to watch it. And I watched a ton of Living Single. I don't remember any of it, but I love how lasting its legacy has been to where like reruns still air on cable and over the air, over the air channels. And yeah, it it was never a ratings juggernaut, even though I looked at the ratings and it's still like, yeah, it was a hundredth place, but it still had 9 million people watching it, which is like better than anything on network television now. Uh, But Living Single, yeah, like it's the first show created by an african-american woman period yeah apparently uh, oh, yeah yeah uh yeah you, uh yvette lee uh bowser had worked on a bunch of stuff hanging with mr cooper and a different world i think mm-hmm. she might have been the showrunner at a different world at the end which like perfect this seems like the natural follow-up to a different world now they're out of college they're young professionals they're living they're loving you know they're uh they're living single in yeah the 90s kind of world yeah, and, and I, 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 love I hear now show. like it's it came out before Friends, so it's like Friends ripped it. Odds are Friends was already happening. Whatever, who gives a shit? But it it was uh probably probably more emblematic of the show that de- demographic wasn't being served very well because every sitcom starred mm-hmm. somebody with children for the most part, and let alone people of color, and and so this even as someone who like didn't like sitcoms this was easier to watch because at least their problems were closer to being my problems than you know family ties like i don't have any of those problems yet um yeah this was the kind of show like as a small child when people played house i played like fancy apartment (laughs) so this is the kind of thing that i liked even though i was a teenager at the time like yeah i i pre a pre-sex in the city sex in the city a pre-friends friends friends, the, the same idea of like yeah, young single professionals and their wacky issues. And it's got a really solid cast. I mean, Queen Latifah, this is, she only, like last year, I think, was when she guessed it on Fresh Prince and that was her first real acting gig. Mm. Now she's the star of a show. Kim Fields, uh, Tootie. Kim Coles, who was on In Living Color, who I wish had a better career. I think she's really funny. Mm-hmm. Or did I get those backwards? I don't and uh, Eric Alexander. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget which game this way. And the two guys. So it's it's And the two guys. Six people, one more woman than friends, so even more daring. Uh, but but yeah, like I, I was seeing how seemingly how quickly the show was canceled didn't have much con- the same kind of controversy as Martin the thing it was constantly aired next to. It ran in syndication forever. Like it's and I think that's where its legacy was really cemented. Even though it was mm-hmm. largely in places I wasn't watching because getting rid of cable and I just 
am I allowed to watch BET? I don't know. I, I, I dipped out after 90s comic view in Rap City. But uh, <laughs> but Living Single, man, probably has the best uh, legacy of almost any TV show we're going to talk about this week. Um, and I got one of the best yeah. legacies of shows we're going to talk about this year. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, what, four and a half-ish seasons? Still beloved? Still and, running somewhere, I guarantee it. And then I threw... And, I threw, and just a fun show. I threw this in TV because it is the beginning of what will become a literal billion-dollar empire. And it mm-hmm. just seems... Holy shit! This—it's still mystifying to me because I was—I just missed the demo on this. Uh, it's called "Our First Video" from a little duo named Mary Kate and Ashley Olson. I'm Mary Kate and I'm Ashley. Don't adjust your TV set—you're not seeing double. Ashley and I are twins. We have the same color hair, the same colored eyes. And the same adorable nose. Ah, this goes on for minutes, but it's four little kids. And I guess people hadn't, you'd only seen both of the uh, Olsons together in full house dream sequences and maybe a talk show appearance. This is their first hmm. straight to video video, which would spawn, I think, uh, nearly a dozen other things, a theatrical movie, a uh, clothing line, uh, preteen apparel line, earrings, jewelry, it is astonishing how wealthy these little kids got over, I'm just going to say decisions they didn't make and they didn't get fucked over out of their money. It, I just, I, I wouldn't, I mean, they that. made a lot of money. They made about a hundred million dollars. You have to like really break the law major big time to <laughs> embezzle a hundred million dollars. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm just, I'm just, but this is how young they are. They are, they are not even preteen yet. They are not 10 years old. And they're and they uh this is off they've released an album that was a huge success. And if you if you I watched the intro of this video and it just advertises their other shit, their albums that already exist and their new album that's coming, and it's just this factory. I was young, but I was nowhere near young enough to give a shit about any of this. And I know it's one of those things that 30, 20, 10 audiences, we can't cover this accurately, but I would love your insight because we were not engaging with any of this shit. But the Mary Kate and Ashley phenomenon was always happening adjacently, kind of a punchline, even grosser as they became closer to uh, 18 years old. Mm. It's always something I've never really taken part of, so I just don't know anything. Um, other than uh, How the West Was Fun, I think it's one of the greatest titles of anything in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then moving on to video games. and Oh, man, I'm going to save this biggie because, ladies and gentlemen, we got Goblins 2. Goblins 2. It's a it's a decent adventure game. <laughs> That's it. That's all. Uh, Prince of Persia two, the forgotten Prince of Persia two, better than Prince of Persia one, but completely forgotten. Prince of Persia one was such a huge success, and it just was ported to everything. This improves on it, but no one remembers it. They only remember right. the first. Yeah, the, the Sands of Time completely rebooted what the series was, and now it's going back two <laughs> D, and I can't wait. And the big one for me, Star Wars Arcade debuting in arcades i think only has a home version on the 30 32x but i i can't nowadays when you walk into a movie theater i feel like i see arcade games that are like this was made to be in a movie theater and it's usually star wars this is sort of the first example i can think of that where like the arcade didn't have this but all the movie theaters did uh this really fleshed out version of the original trilogy with all these playable moments other than if you remember the 80s 
Atari one, which is just like do the Death Star run, trench run, and that's it, <laughs> and do it over and over yeah. again. Uh, you can fight Vader. You can uh, uh, fuck around in the Sarlacc pit. It's a rail shooter. It's got lightsaber moments. Really, it was really fucking cool until Star Wars Trilogy came and wiped it off the map. But Star Wars Arcade is now 30 years old. I think at, even at the time, kind of the best Star Wars game. Um, other than stuff... Blue, hmm? Blew me away. Yeah. When, when I, this is me at my peak Star Wars fandom. And, you know, this is pre-internet. I had no idea when this was arcades until I was just walking by and was like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. And it was, like, so expensive. And I was oh god past <laughs> arcades at that point. And it was like, well, I want to spend all my money to play this for five minutes or I can save the money and uh, buy a game that'll last me for months. Yep. But it was such a quarter feeder because it was I, I think just, it was a dollar like where we were it, like 30 oh. years ago. And it's, if you can memorize everything, it's over in 20 minutes. And of course you can't do that for a while. And you're just murdered <laughs> over and over again. It is a quarter thief. Um, but yeah, like JR said, like arcades were kind of dying. And I remember seeing this pop up in like every movie theater. How would this not make money? And it did. Uh, and I would love a chance to play it again. Well, let's move on to music in 1993, the 18th of August through the 24th. Can't help fall in love by UB40 is still number one. Go away, Ew. UB40. Uh, other new releases include For the Cool in You by Babyface, Kerosene Hat by Cracker, uh, Transient Random Noise Burst with Announcements by Stereo Lab. That's a great album title. Uh, the Untold Truth by Illegal and Spinning Around the Sun by Jimmy Dale Gilmore. Never Keep Secrets by Babyface. We'll close out with that. Uh, but don't go anywhere. We got uh, 2003 is coming up now. Do you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. My 302010 co-host, a new movie in a series incredibly important to both of them in different ways came out. I have been waiting to ask you your opinion on Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And you can explain further, but JR, lifelong Indiana Jones fan, Diana, uh, annual tradition uh, with Indiana Absolutely. Jones. Every Christmas. Every Christmas. Raiders of the Lost Ark. But what, how do you feel about the rest of the series? As Comes and goes. Uh, Last Crusade, I think, is fantastic. Mostly because having rewatched it, you know, kind of as an adult realizing, oh, this is just a comedy that happens to have a bunch of action in it. Temple of Doom, basically once they get to the Temple of Doom, the movie's over for me. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And when she gets into your head, you know she's there to stay.
Coming to 2003 with Molly's Chambers. Uh, it's Kings of Leon off their debut album, Youth and Young Manhood. That's from 20 years ago. Ah, uh, back when, oh, it's that song from the iTunes commercial. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, I love this album, though. We're, slow, we're very, very rapidly running out of albums where, oh, I got that album, and I listened to the whole album. I could have and, said the same about Cracker's Kerosene Hat, man. I don't know what it is about those guys, the Van Beethovens and Cracker, but I love that hysterical uh, country rock. Um, but also this week, new releases from 20 years ago, August 18th to 24th, Cast of Thousands by uh, uh, by Elbow, Action Packed by Sloan, Clones by the Neptunes, the self-titled debut of Dierks Bentley, Greendale by uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse, so crazy, Indestructible by Rancid, uh, in This Skin by Jessica Simpson, Restless by Sarah Evans, Simple Things by Amy Grant, Trap Music by T.I., Truant by Alien Ant Farm, and Unleashed by Bow Wow. Uh, Crazy in Love by Beyonce. God damn, it's been the same thing in every Still. segment. Uh, Still. Yeah, 2003 news. Let's get into it. Alabama Chief Justice Roy Moore is, is suspended this week <laughs> after refusing to comply with a federal court order to remove a rock inscribed with the Ten Commandments from the lobby of an Alabama Supreme Court building. Why comply First with Amendment? The, what's that? Why comply with a law when you can kick up a huge, needless fuss? Ugh. Yeah, it, this was him picking a fight. Mm -hmm. This was uh, just him like going out of his way. And then once uh, he, they went through all these levels to get it removed. And then once it finally got to like the ultimate level, no, you really have to do it. He just went, oh, I'm not gonna. I'm a judge and I'm not going to obey this law thing. Um, yeah. If you need me, I'll be chasing around your daughters at the mall. Um, and yeah. <laughs> if I remember Roy Moore correctly. Uh-huh. That's right. Almost was a senator. God damn it. Yeah, no, the First Amendment means you can't have religious texts where people can't avoid them. Mm -hmm. And that's a religious text. I'm sorry. You can talk about what about our Judeo-Christian heritage? And first of all, whenever I hear Judeo-Christian, I say, leave me the fuck out of it. Yes. And second, when I hear Judeo-Christian, I just hear, I hate Muslims. <laughs> it's true. So and like there's yeah. there's you could say it's it's guidelines which our justice system is based on i'm like half of those commandments are like nobody talk about anybody but me god me yeah. <laughs> so yeah. they, they don't need to be there um yeah. it's just you just it's like if i kicked up a fight i am not taking down my lego enterprise It'll, it's gonna stand on my bench <laughs> um anyway this is a fascinating story i would rather know way more about Nazi film director, which is a great description for Lenny Riefenstahl. Uh, 101 weds cinematographer Horst Kettner at 59. They stayed married until her death two months later. <laughs> They've been together since he was 24 and she was 66. Oh, yeah. Lock in the cradle. Yeah. Wow. In the reverse gender direction than it's a standard wow uh, yeah no. january he, december relationship over there uh, yeah but also you know fuck that nazi bitch mm -hmm. but um i uh she was a talented filmmaker she just used her powers for evil and then after the nazi regime she got really into like oceanography filming let's let's all go <laughs> under the sea where the jews can't get us Every i guess <laughs> and, and um, <laughs> Yeah, fuck her. The average person's view of Nazi Germany is through her lens, her literal mm -hmm. lenses. 
if, if you go for the stereotypical, just what does people think of when they visualize Nazis? Huh. It's her. I never thought yeah. about that. Even Triumph even the, the will, yeah. even the anti Hitler stuff you used to see on the History Channel, that's all her footage anyway. Oh, that's why we have a huge amount it. of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those all those huge crowds and they're all orderly mm. marching and it's so yeah. That's her, man. She was probably as close to a friend of Hitler as fr- as Hitler had friends. Yeah. Mm. Cannot imagine yeah. Hitler having friends. Uh, just uh, <laughs> how how friendly can you be with someone who might kill you for making a mistake? For defying mm. them. Anyway, moving on to movies of 2003. <laughs> I don't care what any of the, our audience says. Freddy versus Jason is awesome, and I'm glad it's number one at the box office. Ha ha. Um, I thought it was a fun, the fun, fun as hell movie. Uh, but new movies, good lord, this is a, the oddest smattering of weird shit. Uh, it's insane. Shia LaBeouf's Battle of Shaker Heights, co-starring Eldon Henson and Amy Smart, is out, and that is the product of the first uh, Project Greenlight. Is it not second? Second Project Greenlight. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the second Project Greenlight. So this is. This is your Clay Aiken of <laughs> Project Greenlight's American Idol. Very weird to think of it like that. And uh, yeah, and it's interesting that the because there's reviews and they're you know it's a reality show showing how this movie got made and the reviews are basically like yeah it tampered with it too much. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm. Like are you, but you saw how it got made. So are are you just saying that because you saw Project Greenlight or are you just walking in cold? I I don't know. Yeah, I kind of got and, over Project Greenlight that season, and uh, but, I, I wasn't—I wasn't watching it. I admit I, I haven't watched the movie um, because so the, the rest of these. Oh my god! Oh my I, god! That this movie exists! Oh my god! I had to see the next movie because I never had oh Jane Krakowski, Christine Barinsky, who is the only one who gets out of this unscathed. Uh, Damon Wayans and Lisa Kudrow, the unforgettable Marcy X. Oh my god. Oh my God! Controversy is erupting over the new CD by Dr. S. That man is the devil. Is Dr. S gone too far? Where to your mother? Tomorrow, the king of hip hop will meet the queen of shop till you drop. They're trying to overhaul your image. This is whack. That means bad. Yay! Lisa Kudrow, Damon Wayans. You remind me of someone. Tupac, DMX. My Aunt Esther. Marcy X. That line alone, I remember, was why I like. I will never see this fucking movie. Fuck this movie. However, as time marched on, hey, Lisa Kudrow's the only friend I would save in a fire. Uh, she's. <laughs> I love the comeback so goddamn much, and and her in general. She she's the one. Uh, yeah, out of the friends because we're we're heading towards the ends of friends mm-hmm. in, in the 2003 segment, and she's the one who had hadn't made any movies that were like jaw droppingly awful, like Ed the Pitching Monkey movie. <laughs> and, and here she goes. Nope, she did it. She Marcy she done it. X, the wrongest movie for the wrong time, made by the wrong people. Diana, Richard Benjamin jumping in to make this movie. <laughs> <laughs> movie is so weird and be in it but i was more fascinated like uh, who wrote paul rudnick and like why does that sound familiar i'm like this guy yeah. wrote my favorite some of my favorite gay comedies in and out and jeffrey mm-hmm. and there this movie is bad but it is also more than occasionally funny because it's written by a very funny person who brought us adam's family and sister act yeah it's got 
the occasional funny line that's sort of incidental. I want to see this movie made by black filmmakers. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do not want to see it made by a bunch of white and Jewish guys or both because the plot is Lisa Kudrow plays like a total Jewish American princess who ends up taking over this music label and having to deal with these hip hop stars with her friends along who are definitely not like off brand sex in the city characters. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's oh, it's, they it's... are trying to understand the black experience. <laughs> That's so funny. And it's like every time they do something that should be like supportive of black people, it comes off as so insulting and so patronizing yes. and so wrong. And it's it's also depicting like controversial, filthy rap music and like Jay Z's at the top of the charts. 50 Cent's going to rule this year. Nobody's doing this anymore. Like, why is this movie being made now and not yeah. not seven years ago? Yeah, and that's exactly. Cinema Snob has a really good review of it because it's, it's you can rent it, but it can be hard to find. And his review was like, yeah, this, this is a 1995 movie. Why is it a 2000? I had to pay for this movie because even the <laughs> dark corners of the internet where I get my free movies, no one's archiving this. But it is Ooh. in the genre of boat trip, like it is fascinating to watch and it does have laugh it does have decent laughs i don't know what it is about damon waynes here like if he came out as gay i think the movie would be like a billion times better or if he just said he's cat williams then i would understand his straightness (laughs) but it's uh, it's a the oddest portrayal (laughs) i've ever seen because who are you doing here damon waynes you should have some knowledge of this community and you're playing a caricature of no one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a send up of the rap industry by people who know nothing about the rap industry, including seemingly Damon what, Wayans. What yes. is the best comedy about the rap industry? CB4, or what? Well, Fear of Black, Black Hat is 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 there? Yeah, I wasn't that in love with CB4. I love so. CB4. Yeah. You'll love Fear Spinal Tap. The hip hop Spinal Tap. Fear of a Black Hat is fucking great. Yeah. We need to talk Flawless. about that next year. I, I really enjoy that one. But yeah, there, there there are there should be there should be so many more comedies about rap. And, yeah, and with culture clash in them. Yes, that's it, great. And and, and, the, and that industry. Why is it this? That industry is well deserving of being parodied too. It's just not yes. done very well because the people here don't know fuck all about it. But when they're they're making jokes about Republicans in the gay community. And that's Christine Baranski is playing like the Tipper Gore Senator who hates. I love, she says it's turned to the land of the filth and the home of the butt. Like, like that's, that's funny. (laughs) She's pretty funny. She's funny in the movie. Like everything else is embarrassing. Like Lisa Kudrow takes the stage and raps for a while and the crowd loves it and like who is this movie for this is not possible but it is it is bad to the point of being fucking enjoyable man i tell you you i like on a boat trip level but not as offensive to it's what it's caricaturing uh yeah, it's still pretty offensive. It's still, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, still it's, pretty it's, offensive. it's embarrassing, but it's like it just shows yeah. how little you know about culture. I don't think it's terribly offensive to anyone. Mm. Uh, oh, it's so yes, Mar- Marcy X. Yeah, continuing two thousand three being just the champagne of bad movie years. Like this should not exist. 
Why? Like, Why does this happen? I wish we were like at the writer strike negotiations because like you thought this old script was better than any new script that you kept it. I know this is an old script. You know this is an old script. Didn't you used to think writers were important uh, at some <laughs> point? When did that change? Because you held onto this and shoveled this through production despite. Anyway, anyway, like I thought it was it's worth a watch because it is jaw droppingly humiliating for both of its stars on such a regular basis. And there's so many times I forget, like, what the fuck is this movie about? Why are we here? What is happening? Why is this happening? How did he turn a boy band gay? He's a gangster rapper. That's why I I thought like he's going to come out. Uh, Oh, no, I guess he's not. All right. no, instead he falls in love with Lisa Coo. They fall in love and win the war against rap censorship. It's so fucking weird and wrong. <laughs> but again, I don't think it's offensive. I just think it's profoundly uncool, uh, like on everyone's part. Everybody should be embarrassed who is okay. who had a part in this, especially you, Richard Benjamin. Uh, but uh, JR, we gra- I think we grabbed the exact same clip. I captured mine from an Amazon rental that I had to pay for. So that's the one I'm going to play because I couldn't All find right. it on YouTube, God damn it! Showing that the movie is mildly ahead of its time, it makes fun of somebody who wasn't totally being made fun of a billion times a day. And, and it's funny. He was being referenced a lot. Yes, he's always referenced That's always one thing doing this show has taught me is, wow, there were a lot of references to him yes. in every decade. Every decade we run across them. But this was about the wealthy community not liking this person. Oh, and they hated him. They thought he was uh, exactly, but low class. that wasn't shown very often. And yep. and that this reaction to a, a charity auction for a date with a celebrity. Our first item is something truly, deeply exciting. It's dinner for two with the handsome, the totally dreamy Mr. Donald Trump. I love Donald. She can't be real. Who wants dinner with Donald Trump? You don't have to touch him. Maybe he's changed. (laughs) That's his real hair. This is whack. Whack? Oh, that means bad. I do volunteer work teaching black teenagers to wear the correct size. This that's a funny line. (laughs) There are funny lines in this movie, I swear. Uh, But it is ridiculous. And it, it, it huge. I could not believe how little. This movie made at the box office massive bomb at the end of the summer. Uh, made like less than ten million dollars off of a weirdly twenty million dollar budget, and it was it was marketed, man. It was marketed like a summer movie. Next up, a movie I refuse to see. I saw I watched Marcy really? X instead of this. <laughs> no, I saw this instead of that. Um, Good for you, Terrence Stamp, Tara Reid, Ashton Kutcher. I'm not falling for Ashton Kutcher shit again after the jobs last week. My boss's daughter. The guy. Something wrong with the coffee. It's a little bitter. Audrey, get in here, sir. I'm going to have to let you go. The girl. Do you have any plans tonight? I'm wide open. The problem. Sir, anything happens to my daughter, I'll kill you. On August 22nd. Who are these people? I'd hate to be here when the owner gets back. Oh! Ashton Kutcher. Tara Reid. Daddy? Sir. My boss's daughter, rated PG thirteen. Jr. Take it. I, I. Yeah. Oh. It's a gross-out movie that is rated PG thirteen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Holy crud. Why go that route if you're going to neuter yourself? It's unfunny. It's horrible. No one should watch this ever. And if you did, I'm here for you. Call me day or night. We can commiserate <laughs> with each other. Uh, man, I hope, I, I hope I you didn't pay for want, this. I just want Terrence, I'm just pretending that Terrence Stamp is his character from the Limey, and any minute now he's just going to start like gouging eyes out. <laughs> no such luck. Oh. But the, Damn. the viewer might. Uh, and a movie, I, uh, the next movie, I, I genuinely wanted to. Uh, sorry, JR, anything else on this before you move on? No, no move. <laughs> move. 90 Stop minutes That's summed too up. too much already. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I, I think I've been pretty rough on, on, on Jackie Chan, his film, his filmography at this point. Someone, especially Diana, loves, but his American. Films. His American stuff, is, and, yeah. he, and he's aging at the same time, so he's not as capable as he was in his heyday. But he, uh, this is the movie where they bring in like one of his directors from Hong Kong, or like a guy he's I think he's worked with before, but like mm-hmm. another case of like, hey, it's not fucking uh, not bringing in Brett Ratner <laughs> to direct Jackie yeah. Chan. Mm. Jackie Chan is three years older than I am during the filming of this movie. Wow. And he's doing all these crazy things still. And I hurt my back if I lean too far forward to get my mail. Yeah. (laughs) If I if I lift a cheek to cut a fart, I'm going to be down for a week. But Julian Sands, Claire, Claire Forlani, Lee Evans. All right. Before we get to that. All right. Julian Sands. Well, who's Julian Sands? What am I missing? Well, unfortunately, we'll be talking about Boxing Helena next year, but uh, Julian Sands was missing circa January, and they only found him in June. This year? But they finally, this year. They just, they finally confirmed Julian Sands died. Yeah. Oh, goodness. He, he had some sort of accident while mountain climbing on Mount Baldy, and yeah, he was just missing for six months. Oh, good Lord. And, uh, and no and... one knew what happened, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, sorry to bring everybody down. Yeah, I was, was going to go in right like into every the... couple, Like every couple weeks I was checking, like, have they found Julian Sands yet? And no. Jackie Chan oh. in the medallion. <laughs> I'm not editing that. You are looking at the second most powerful weapon on the planet. This Inspector is the first this summer. Adventure is alive and kicking. Jackie Chan. Sorry. The medallion. Ready for? Yeah, I wanted to see this. Couldn't get it for free in time because it looked like trying to marry the the crew that Jackie Chan works on on real Jackie Chan shit with the Hollywood studio behind it, and it gets reviewed not well, but you know. Yeah, look at it like a Jackie Chan movie, man. Does does he do cool stunts? Does he lose? Well, this is the movie that's brave enough to ask, "What if Jackie Chan superpowers?" Yeah. Ah, yeah. he already has superpowers. He's Jackie fucking <laughs> Chan. But not high bending or whatever the fucking medallion does. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why. Like, I thought about watching this, and I was like, no, because it turns out like he becomes like unkillable. Well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, what are the stakes then? Yeah, I, it's it's a low tier Jackie Chan movie for me. There's a lot better you could do if you're trying to watch his entire oeuvre. All right, it's fine, but there's no reason to seek this out otherwise. Yeah, watch another Super Cop. Um, 
And yeah, I feel like I should probably just go online or go on YouTube, look up medallion fight scenes, watch the fight scenes, not bother with anything else. And, another short one, another 88 minute movie, man. And uh, imagine what they cut out. Uh, and, and <laughs> but I, I don't know if I, I sent you guys the clip and I want to tell the listeners there's a clip out there of Jackie Chan watching his younger self do all these stunts mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. he used to be able to do and now he can't do them. And it's got to be a unique experience to be the literal best mm-hmm. at physical activity in the world in Jackie Chan's case uh, stunts mm-hmm. and then just lose that ability to the inevitable progression of time I that's I, I can only imagine because like I think my constant reminder of that is wrestlers but most wrestlers do not have the amount of money Jackie Chan has to sit upon and one ah, I'm not that good anymore which house should I go to this weekend? Um, so he's got that. If you haven't seen, there's a couple of videos of Jackie Chan walking you through his shit, and like, man, <laughs> that that guy that guy lives a really interesting life. So I I, I hope he's not lamenting. Ah, I wish I could do that again. You did it. You did it better than anyone else. Now enjoy yourself without hurting yourself. Don't you don't have to break a bone on every movie you're in anymore? Is there a 2023 Jackie Chan? Yeah, yeah. He's a he's a voice in something. Um, this year, I forget what it is, but yeah, he's yeah, he's still he's still I mean, working. Do you mean no, like an no, equivalent? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, equivalent. I'm saying, is there someone in our current year who is doing what Jackie Chan used to be able to do? Uh, to not necessarily him, but Keanu Reeves is making those movies with John Wick. Those are stuntman movies. The people he's working with are of a Jackie Chan caliber, even though Keanu Reeves yeah. is a little slower. Uh, um, I mean, for for headline stunts that get people into the movie, it's it's the Mission Impossible movies. That's I mean, and stays on eight guys. Yeah. I mean, he's not really, but the Jackie pe- Chan the, in the nineteen the people he's fighting. I think you're it's itching the same scratch that that Jackie Chan movies used to be a salve to. And uh, mm-hmm. Jason Statham, to a lesser extent, and also getting older, has been making movies like that for a while. Um, Actually, speaking of John Wick, I see one of the henchmen, Scott Adkins, who then he has taken over every direct-to-video sequel to every movie we've ever talked about, including Hard Target 2. Wow. That's the kind of thing Scott Adkins does. And he's he's in John Wick 4 in in the big fat suit fighting. Mm. Good for him. Good for him. And then moving on to television of 2000. Yeah, let us like that's a good question, Gr, because like I don't know what the status is of Hong Kong film other than the Meg 2. Uh, <laughs> also featuring Statham, so there probably is a new surfer out there to the the Chan throne. I just I'm not sure who it is. Uh, uh, whoever was an RRR, uh, <laughs> all those guys. TV of 20 years ago, 2003, August 18th to the 24th. I just want to tip my hat to I love the 80. I love the 70s, which debuts this week on VH1. Because am I am I alone? I thought these were pretty good, and thinking about them now, I miss them. I love they're, these. Yeah, okay, I they're love these. very fun, and today they'd be podcast. I, yeah. They don't I was, make these anymore because the niche has been filled. But in two thousand three and earlier for the eighties one, this was an excellent, light, breezy thing. It busted through an entire year's worth of content in sixty twice. minutes, and it had interesting uh comments from all this all these guests. funny people and and i i also want to give it credit for um 
I I did like I like I love the eighties, but that was like you know tickling my nostalgia bone. Whereas like the seventies, I required context for that. We do not have a YouTube yet. When I keep hearing. <laughs> comedians and monologues that reference the pet rock or Bo Derek, I don't have that kind of context, you know? And this was the show that brought back footage of all that stuff that I absolutely pop culturally needed contextualization for. And I especially like, I love the seventies for that because like, I'm not watching any of those fucking sitcoms. I, <laughs> I did my time with the Brady bunch. I'm not, I'm not watching the whole Partridge family. Here you go. Comedians will tell you all about it with awesome choice yep. clips. So I, I especially appreciated I Love the 70s because it just gave me context for stuff I did not live through. Yeah, if you mm. listen to early MST3K, like yeah, 25% of their references are just 70s shit. Mm-hmm. So this is like <laughs> required viewing to give you all that content. Yeah, like I'd never seen an ep- episode of William Shatner's TJ Hooker. And, and, <laughs> and this show had to tell me about it. Uh, so I could get all those MST references. Also debuting this week on the History Channel, uh, Wild West Tech. Oh, God. Just just Kevin Klein's character. Uh, no, the, this is honestly a decent history lesson. It takes you through all the tech of the Wild West, uh, the tech of the Cowboys, the tech of the Native Americans. Mm-hmm. It's pretty interesting if you like the Wild West, which I do. No, no, certainly. Um, and then... Ooh, even better this week on The Wire, the episode Bad Dreams. Mm-hmm. It is, you forget how rare it is for your favorite characters on The Wire to meet one another if they ever do. <laughs> and this is the week where two of the best characters, I think the most famous actors to come out of this show, finally meet one another, uh, mm-hmm. Stringer Bell and Omar. See, all I know is whoever did them that way, they gets got. Whoever did them that way? They still out there right now. Oh, so now you're gonna play that game and had nothing to do with it. Nah, I mean, I can't lie. I put the motherfucking paper out on y'all, but y'all was fucking with my stash. Anything after that, part of the game. Maybe. But see, y'all went past that with Brandon. That wasn't me. That wasn't Ava on Eva. Bird and them were there to see it, but another man did all the extras. Ooh, that's a sellout right there. Uh, this mm. is such an amazing scene. I mm-hmm. mean, Stringer was always my favorite character by far. Yeah. I, I loved him. I loved every scene with him. But Omar was a close second. Yeah. And to have them both together was just mm, chef's well, kiss. Omar, Omar was the Robin Hood, where Stringer was like, I'm not in this for the money. I'm going to be the best at this. The absolute best at this. This, this whole fucking crime game. And that that was I think that's a really interesting that's not usually depicted. Usually it's Avon. It's the brash, the guy who gets arrested, who's leading the drug syndicate. Uh not Stringer. Keeps away, keeps a low profile, super sinister. Love Stringer Bell. Have multiple mm-hmm. friends with cats named after both these characters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, I didn't realize this this episode and a bunch of episodes directed by Ernest Dickerson, mm-hmm. who's usually Spike Lee cinematographer, but mm-hmm. also directed Juice. I love Juice. Good for him. That's yeah, Juice. Juice. <laughs> juice. I really like that movie. Me too. Uh, anyway, moving on to games of 2003 or game Alter Echo for PS2 and Xbox. Um, no idea. <laughs> uh, it, it's a third-person action adventure. Uh, you play a psychic who can like use his powers to form weapons. All right. Let's just know. 
as mm. well. With that out of the way, we can close out the 2003 segment. Uh, once again, our shortest segment, as for usual, uh, What Was I Thinking by Dierks Bentley will take us to break. Stay right there. We got one more in the chamber. 2013, don't move. But that crossed my mind a little too late. Cause I was thinking that a little white tank top sitting right there in the middle by me. I was thinking that a long kiss man just gotta get going with a Hello, Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 18th through 24th, let's go with a news story. First of all, it is the 50th anniversary of the Norman Strong robbery, which is where we get the term Stockholm Syndrome. A bunch of guys robbed a place, took people hostage, and then they sided with the robbers. It's very complicated. It's actually been oversimplified what Stockholm Syndrome is based on that, but it's a pretty interesting story, so you might want to look into the origin of Stockholm Syndrome. And then, let's see, 60 years ago this week, saw the release of The Haunting, not the shitty one from 99, the original good one with Julie Harris and Claire Bloom and uh, Russ Tamblin, a particularly creepy movie from 1963. How to creep you out by what you don't show someone? Total recommend on 63 The Haunting. What, one of those sort of like steps along the way of, to modern horror. 90 years ago this week, I'll just shout out Morning Glory, which is, I think that's Katherine Hepburn's first Oscar there. Um, but it's like a drama about all these different actresses that live in a house together and it is kind of crazy to be like I relate to this like having roommates is a pain in the ass and the movies from 1933 90 years ago roommates still sucked but the actual like the big recommend which like come on I have to I've talked about pretty much every Bruce Lee movie that we've had to talk about and we're at the last one posthumously released as Enter the Dragon starring him and John Saxon and Big Jim Kelly and um yeah speaking of uh, a while back, we were just talking about most dangerous game. Enter the Dragon is a, a template for movies <laughs> we've seen used over and over and over again. Mortal Kombat movie uses it. It's the idea of like I'm going to get elite fighters together and then they're going to fight. The end. <laughs> Maybe I'll attach like a knife to my hand. I don't know. Whatever. Enter the Dragon. If you're going to see a Bruce Lee movie, that's probably the one you're going to see. Even though I think some of his earlier stuff's a little better. Big Boss, I, I like a lot. But yeah, Enter the Dragon, R.I.P. Once and for all, unfortunately, Bruce Lee. And that's it for this week. Stay classic. We, we don't have to worry about nothing. We got the fire. We burn in one hell of a something. They, they're gonna see us from outer space, outer space. Light it up like we're the stars of the human race. Coming to 2013 with Ellie Goulding's Burn off of Halcyon Days. Those are words Diana assures me are real uh, because that's a song <laughs> people would know. You know what is great about the music every segment? What? I can always tell which one is the 2013 one if I don't label them because they all have a big drop like this song. <laughs> Every 2013 uh, song has a moment of I'm singing and then the music cuts out and boom. and then I say some words. <laughs> boom, trouble, trouble. 
Uh, yes. Welcome to 2013, where the drop lives. Uh, and other new music releases include Where You Stand by Travis. Hi, Travis. Uh, Trap Lord by ASAP Ferg. Uh, Hollow Bodies by Bless the Fall. Sway by Blue October. Tomorrow We Die Alive by Born of Osiris. Doris by Earl Sweatshirt. Songs from Saint Somewhere by Jimmy Buffett. Paradise Alley by John Mayer. Frames by Lee DeWise. Uh, Hail to the King by Avenged Sevenfold and Stay Trippy by Juicy Blurred Lines by Robin Thicke featuring T.I. and Varelsa. God damn. I've got to no. knock them down. Be, what will be the things that knock them off? What will it be? We're at that point now where it's it, we're tired of them being here. Who is it going to be? Yeah, you're not listening to these songs by a pool anymore. You're in your car on your way to work. You need something less happy. Uh, so yeah. let's get, this, get these summer jams out of here. Uh, news, news of 2013. Ah, 30 people are killed in a gang battle involving flamethrowers in <laughs> what? Palmasola Palma prison in Bolivia? Oh, no. Yeah. So apparently in Bolivia and some other Latin American states, there's a policy where the guards just kind of police the perimeter of the prison. Right. And the inside of the prisons are kind of just like this no man's land oh, where shit. it's just like, well, you prisoners take care of yourself. And if you don't, we don't really care. So like goddamn, yeah. like a literal zoo cage. Like we don't go in there. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so as a result, you get gangs rising to power inside these prisons and then they get weapons such as flamethrowers. And uh, yeah, this was one of the, the bigger ones. Um, uh, you'd think you'd use use that flammable liquid to free yourself. But no. Turn it on your fellow man. Not going to tell I Bolivian mean, gangsters how to live. I'm not. I don't think you can, like, melt the bars with it, Chris. I bet I could. <laughs> I bet I could. Me and Jim Varney out here burning Bolivian prison walls. Uh, <laughs> hey, speaking of another Jackie Chan movie, all I know is I need Chinese silk and urine, and I can get right the fuck out of there. <laughs> uh, 2013 movies, uh, August 18th to the 24th. The Butler is still number one in the box office, but we have uh, new movies, including Ty West, Ron Livingston, Anna Kendrick, Jake Johnson, and uh, Olivia Wilde in Drinking Buddies. Mumblecore! Seems pretty indie. Don't know. I really like this, y'all. Really? Uh, that's what, so, I yeah. did not get to it, but that's what every critic said. And I was like, but I'm reading the synopsis and I don't like this. I guess it's a lot better than it sounds. It is a lot better than it sounds. Okay, awesome. so okay. here's the, the pitch. Have you ever known or been a person who the timing was just not right w with someone else? Like, oh, yeah. you're, mm -hmm. you're a, that's what this movie is. It's all about how there's these two people. They're good fits for each other, but the timing is not right. So they're always just drinking buddies. And that's mm -hmm. all they, they remain because he's in a relationship when she's single and then he's single when she's in a relationship, and it, it just never quite works out. Uh, but you can see how much they care about each other, how much they'd like to be with each other, but it's never stated. There's no Futurama moment where, and that makes me feel horny. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a single man. I, I can't get out of bed unless I believe there are thousands of people I'm missing like a ship in the night. Uh, yeah, maybe. Mm. But yep. it's really well done. You know, I'm as I'm doing this show, I find myself having to make myself watch the adult movies for adults. Mm. But yeah. then I find <laughs> myself enjoying them more. You know, I mean, I watched Hard Target and I've seen so many gunfights and so many explosions <laughs> that the at this 
stage of my life that just seeing human drama just really appeals to me. Mm. All, All right. right. Well, well, we we yes. have a bunch of those. And there's, week, and there's a, a sure. movie in especially, here that co- that combines both. Yeah, as, yeah. especially in uh, in 2013, we've got a bunch of small indies. Uh, and what's crazy is this is uh, largely improvised dialogue mm. and, and directed by Joe Swanberg, who's in another movie we're going to talk about. Okay. Eventually, but. Adult ass movies for adults? Yes, I'm all on board. The next two are totally adult ass movies for adults. Like, and I uh, recommend both of them. Look at this cast. Look, he's Stanfield. His film debut. Wow. He was in the he was in the short film that this was based on. Wow, I love that guy. If he's if he's every time I see him, I like whatever this is. I feel like yes. he's he's some good luck charm just for me. Uh yep. Rami Malik, Caitlin Dever, John Gallagher Jr., and Brie Larson in short term twelve. So this is kind of the indie movie that put Brie Larson on the map. Mm. And that's cool. I like her because it's a good movie and she's really, really good in it. It sounds like it's going to be the saddest thing in the world because it is about a home for, I guess, I mean, it's inpatient care, I guess, but it's, it, it's about a treatment program for emotionally disturbed teenagers. Mm. And you think, Oh God, this is going to be awful. And no, it's, it's upsetting sometimes, but it's also about, you know, mostly it's about Brie Larson and John Gallagher Jr. who are a couple, but they work in this program. And we find out like they have troubled backgrounds as well. And they're using that to try to, you know, help these kids. They're not their therapists. They're the people who, you know, keep an eye on them, try to keep them active, talking about their problems, you know, uh, dealing out discipline uh, if someone starts acting up. And as you see, like all the, the different issues these folks have like Lakeith Stanfield's about to turn 18 he's he's about to be out on his own he's an adult mm. and he's not ready to go and we learn more about why he's here in the first place and there's no big like dramatic scenes of it and I never learned to, to read, read. <laughs> no it's 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 very like low-key handheld most of the time it kind of feels like like a documentary and everyone feels very realistic and I kick some ass. And another great week for Asian directors. Then this guy goes on to make Shang-Chi. He's making an Avengers movie soon, man. Wow. wow yeah. Right. Um, and then another adult. But, yeah. Short, short, short term 12. Big recommend. Cool. Uh, wow. Even though the next movie, adult movie, but also checks two boxes for people we won't be talking about in 10 years because they won't be working. Uh, <laughs> oh when I started watching the credits for this, I was like, "I'm cursed." Oh, oh, that was that was stupid funny. I watched this right after um, Manhattan Murder Mystery, and I kept thinking, "Like, no, stop playing Manhattan Murder Mystery." I'm like, "Fuck, this is Woody Allen, isn't it?" Because the fucking cre- the font and the credits are the exact same, <laughs> always with the jazz. I was like, stop playing that. Oh, it's just a Woody Allen movie again. <laughs> Uh, yep. Michael Stolberg, Peter Sarsgaard, Andrew Dice Clay, oh, uh, Louis C.K., Bobby Carnival, Alec I'm Baldwin, cursed. Cursed. <laughs> cursed. Sally Hawkins, Kate Blanchett, and Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Blue Jasmine. Uh, uh, fuck uh, yeah, though. This is another one. It's like, God damn it. Well, every now and then I'm just like, all right, I, we're done with Woody Allen. We're never going to talk about it. And this might be it. This might actually be the last one that I feel inclined to watch and talk about. Because fuck, this movie is good, and Kate Blanchett won an Oscar for it. She completely deserved it, 
and I, I, I love it so much. God damn it! This is my favorite Woody Allen movie by far, listeners. Wow, by far. You know, yep. uh, this is four. a recommend from me. <laughs> it okay? Well, <laughs> what do you want? Okay, yeah. I'm you getting through like, them. Cool. You've seen like four, but yeah, you only I get like fifty six. to go. <laughs> yeah, okay. But uh, the acting is great. The directing is great. The story is really intriguing. Uh, they don't like do the thing when they go to a flashback they just trust that you're smart enough to realize that it's a flashback and it's a fascinating character study of this woman who is lying to everyone because she keeps saying throughout this film that she never knew that her husband was this embezzler cheater uh lawbreaker and then at the very end when he wrongs her her first action is to go to the police and rat him out yeah She's been lying the whole time, and it is so amazing watching her rationalize her own privileged life life when she had been saying how she didn't know the whole movie, but she did. She completely and utterly did. Yeah, it's just, it yeah. just only helped her. It yeah. helped her yeah. live a lifestyle so, she liked. Yeah, so the plot is Kate Blanchett was married to Alec Baldwin, who was a, he's a Bernie Madoff kind of guy he's he's a big fancy investor they are live ridiculously rich lavish lives and she tells everyone oh but we give so much to charity because yes it's because we're so privileged he goes down because it was all a lie and she loses absolutely everything and she has to move in with her sister in san francisco who has just a pretty average normal life so already the setup is streetcar named desire mm-hmm. uh because she is you know she she hasn't learned to cope that she has to be a normal person now. She doesn't, n- none of these things like are clicking in her head. It's, she, you, you, she, you, you she hate her. Normal, but she doesn't, uh, yeah, and you hate her, but you also feel really bad for her a lot of like, the You need time. to get a and, job. Like, I don't want to get a menial job. I'm, I used to be rich. I'm going to go back to school with what? Like, yeah. stay right. where? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, she I, is in such la la land. She mm-hmm. is in complete mm-hmm. denial. She, and, a tragedy is when a character to learn a lesson. And that's what this is. If she would have been like, I recognize my position. I recognize that I have to do major change. I recognize that I have to uh, uh, live a completely different life. Then she could have had a path forward. But she ends homeless on the street with no one who cares about her because she refuses to recognize any of that. And it's handled brilliantly. Mm. Yep. It's it's all delusions all the way down. Everything is artifice and a lie. And it's like, there's no there there. And when she starts, when she gets to a point where it's like, oh yeah, you're like not even a person underneath all this. It, it starts falling apart. All right, so here's a couple things I love. Now, Louis C.K. could be cut out of this movie and it wouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I'll just start right there. That's a subplot, it could go. But a couple of things I love about this. It's shot in San Francisco, yeah. which is pretty rare for Woody Allen. And it's regular San Francisco, not movie postcard San Francisco. Yes, yeah. They're on South Van S. They're not living in the full house house. They're living in a place like over a grocery store. They go, awesome. to, the, they go to the community beach. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, you dropped her off at Marina Green. I know where that is. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wait, but they were just at Union Square. They got up. Oh, actually, if he's going to Sausalito. No, that makes sense. That makes like the geography generally makes sense. But there is a scene where they're at, I believe it was shot in Tiburon, which is super schmancy fancy, where she's kind of back in her element in a schmancy person's party. My big complaint here is that so many of the men are wearing jackets and ties. 
and at a daytime cocktail party in the Bay Area, the richest people dress the sloppiest. Mm, it's true. They're wearing just regular old, like a button down t-shirt Fucking... and like a hoodie, but they're like expensive. Yeah. Dot com, failed dot com, like vest. Um, yeah. And here's my favorite, absolute favorite thing about the movie. With two of the most high profile canceled comedians of the last 10 years, Andrew Dice Clay, the most cancelable cancelable comedian of thirty years ago, this is when he's like, "You're just an actor now," and he's fucking great. And I he look always, good actor. I look he's forward to seeing him in everything he. I've watched Stars Born like way too more times than I want to admit. He's fucking awesome <laughs> in it, and I look forward to every moment he's on screen. And he has a really great scene in here, and yep. I don't know that that had happened in another movie yet. And I remember the buzz around it, like. Dude, you see Andrew Dice Clay in this movie? It was he was fucking awesome. <laughs> the the guy least likely to have a reputable mainstream career because of all the nasty shit he said. Turns out he didn't do anything, so he gets to keep working. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I love Andrew Dice Clay and Bonnie Conov- Bobby Conoval get to, you know, just <laughs> tag team as Stanley Kowalski back and forth in the entire movie. There's not one Kowalski. There's got two Kowalskis for you. Yeah, uh, yeah. Blue Jasmine yeah, you steal it. So Woody don't get no money. Lucy K don't get no money. But God, did I and I was like, I don't know if I want to watch a movie about rich people complaining because that's what most Woody Allen movies end up being eventually. Yeah, after I, a point. I think if you're looking into a fantasy you might want to have for a rich person you don't like, this is kind of good. Like, yeah, they won't adapt well. <laughs> Mm. Uh, and and I, I, I th- yeah. Well, and just just for the acting, I had to look it up because I remembered Kate Blanchett did do a streetcar named Desire, and I was trying to find out when it was because she said it is like the worst experience because it is so draining every night that you mm. can't do it on stage over and over and over. And that was two thousand eight, so she's prepped for this and she has recovered, and now she can do that slow disintegration that you have to do for that character, mm. and it's. It's just, yeah, she's phenomenal. It's it, it, it was damn it, Blue Jasmine. It was a much quicker, similar trajectory as Tar, but just told mm. more palatably. Uh, <laughs> mm. In my opinion, um, and oh, speaking of pa- uh, impalatable, um, I, I want to say that I, I like the next movie, but I won't watch it again, not even for this show. Barbara Crampton, Ooh. Nicholas Tucci, A.J. Bowen, Joe Swanberg. Sharni Vinson, it's your next. I want to meet your family. Thanks to mom and dad for having us all here together. On August 23rd. Why would anybody do this? This wasn't a random attack. Our family's being targeted. The hunted. Grab anything that might make a good weapon. Fight back. Everything's gonna be fine. I use this repeatedly as a benchmark for what I don't want to see in a horror mm-hmm. movie. Did you get a chance to watch this, Jr.? We've been watching a lot of horror. I, did. I watched it for the very first time, went in knowing nothing. It's a very borderline torture porn, but not quite there. Um, it's a home invasion film, but it has one of the best final girls I've ever seen mm. in horror. 
Ooh, okay. Yeah. So uh, it's a girl who was raised by her survivalist kooky father in the Australian outback and taught how to resist the government if they ever come towards her. But mm-hmm. we don't know that at the start of the film. Uh, we just have her in this home that's being invaded by these psychos. And then we get these like hints of how she responds instantly. She knows the right things to do. Everyone else is panicking. And then her backstory is doled out throughout the film. There, there's a couple of just amazing moments when they're like, all the people are panicking. We should go hide in the basement. And she's just like, no, they'll just pour gasoline down the stairs and light it on fire. And everyone just looks at her like, how did you instantly think of that? <laughs> and, and there's, there's, you know, twists in here. It just, for me, we were talking a lot about horror films coming up on patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, to see gore, I kind of realized I need a supernatural element of some kind. Watching humans just exhibit absolute cruelty to one another in a realistic way. It's not something I can endure on a regular basis. And I can't watch this mm. film again. It is just brutal. And it's, mm. it's, it's, what do you, what do you, it's not elaborate. It's not Jason tearing someone's head off. It's a human tearing someone else apart. It is difficult to watch, but it's done with some elegance. It's just, uh, it's not the kind of fun horror. I'm, 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 I'm trying to no, compliment the movie. It's not fun horror. It's mm-hmm. not like Jet. Jason, it's not like Freddy, it's not like Evil Dead, but there are people who like this, and if this is the type of thing you like, you'll like it, because it's it's done well. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a couple of points when we, the audience, learn something, and that information is not something uh, the final girl knows, but by telling us, the audience, it, they increase this suspense immensely, and that's, you know, filmmaking 101. They did their job. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not watch this because I am a chicken, uh, but I know it by its reputation. I, its reputation is basically gory, but worth it because mm-hmm. of the, that it's well thought out and it has a decent amount of black humor in it. Um, and it's not just, you know, n- not just a, a meat grinder and they put people into it. Like, there's a point to all this. Okay. I don't know. But it's, it's uh, I'm too much of a chicken. too brutal for my taste to see on a regular basis. It it's not quite torture porn because it doesn't seem to delight in any of this, but it doesn't shy away from showing it, showing it to you. And again, brutal, not for everybody. And the director went on to make King Kong versus Godzilla. So, you know, we could film a fight Uh, (laughs) (laughs) up next. This is probably more the speed of the audience out there. Pierce Brosnan, Rosamund Pike, uh, Eddie Marson, Martin Freeman, Patty uh, Considine, and Nick Frost and Simon Pegg in Edgar Wright's The World's End. Hold on, before you hit the before you hit the ad, I want to talk about there were a bunch of different ads for this movie. By far the most popular one is an ad I have never seen an ad like this before. We have a couple different kinds of ads where they show you, you know, the characters are, or they tell you about who the filmmakers are, or they give you a bunch of uh, quotes from I, critics. I remember that because they didn't want to tell you the reveal for a while. Yeah, there are some ads that tell you what this movie's really about. Most of them did not. And then there's this one. I've never there's I've never seen a movie sold on the prestige of its fans. Hmm. 
getting the band back together. In five days, the creators of Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead are back with the world's end. Let's do this! The masters of sci-fi and action are raving about the year's most entertaining film. Haven't you heard? Peter Jackson says, I loved it. Okay. Joss Whedon calls it hilarious. <laughs> and Robert Downey Jr. proclaims, it's the best movie I've seen all summer. Where are the others? <laughs> They're blending in. Besides mine, of course. Hello, I am a robot. The world's end rated R starts Friday. Yeah, I don't think the praises of this get sung as frequently as the other two movies in the Cornetto trilogy, and that's a shame mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there is a profound message about growing up and changing in all of these films, these these silly little comedy genre send-ups, and uh, this one seems to have the heaviest one uh, in, yeah. a, in addition to yeah. sci-fi elements. Yeah, this this well, has I, some heavy emotional lifting while also being very funny and silly mm-hmm. and also having a larger point, not just about em- emotions and you can't go home again and growing up, but about homogenization. If I had to pick one single word this movie is about, it's homogenization. Mm. It's about every pub getting bought up by Weatherspoons and turning into a Starbucks looking place. Everything's just the same and everyone in your hometown has forgotten you and you don't know who you are anymore. Yeah, it's it's rough. Yeah, but I, again, I think this is a very deep film because yeah. King, our protagonist, was lying to himself mm-hmm. throughout the entire thing. He was absolutely lying about his past and how he was beloved in this town and he was this epic thing. He just built up this myth in his own mind. And we see him when he returns that he's having to face that reality. And once again, we're having someone who until the very final moment of the film is just refusing to face reality and it's literally killing him yeah and i i I, actually makes a good double feature with blue jasmine i love that yeah and and i what i also love is like people missing the point of the movie every time you see edgar wright and simon Pegg, like what are you gonna make another Shaun of the dead like did you not see the last movie we made about you can't do this again you're only kind of you can only do these kind of things at a certain time and then it's over. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's an unbelievably great way to say goodbye to like the, the Cornetto trilogy, the taste of these films. All right. Let's talk about the trilogy for a moment. Sure. This is the weirdest trilogy there is. Okay. It, it was never really designed to be a trilogy. No, they, they threw it in there in the hopes of getting free ice cream. Yeah. So that's that's why they called it that because they were like, well, maybe if we call it that, we'll get uh, more Conetto ice cream, and Which that is, didn't happen. They, as, they a, as a as a reference cream. to that, what the French director's Three Colors trilogy? I forget, yeah, Red yeah, Blue, the Christoph Kieslowski's uh, yeah, the Polish French trilogy, Red, Blue, et Blanche. This is strawberry, uh, yeah. mint, and original flavored. Um, right, which is vanilla. So yeah, Cornetto is it's a even if you don't know what that is, it's it's like um. I mean, it's it's, a drumstick, a drumstick. Thank you. That's also, yeah, it's a, it's a prepackaged little ice cream cone that you can have and that, you know, you buy wherever. Yeah. Gas Um, stations, all that shit. Yeah. And so, yes, there are, there are three, the three killers. Uh, The first one is red for zombie blood, Shaun of the dead blue, which is vanilla for, because it's hot Hot fuzz about cops. And this is green because of aliens. Yes. And the the core of its story is a guy who's, trying to rekindle 
pieces of his youth by rounding up all his old buddies and going on the pub crawl. They never managed to finish his kids. And, and I just, I get, I don't relate as hard to Shaun of the Dead or Hot Fuzz. I am not any of those characters. I'm not any of these characters really, but I'm way closer because. <laughs> There's been moments in my life when I sure. have definitely nostalgized my early 20s far more than was healthy for me. I mean, there's been moments in my life when I've just been, God damn, if I could find a fucking time machine and go back to my senior year of college and just relive that year start to finish, I would be so happy. Mm. And that's not healthy because mm -hmm. there's no fucking time machine out there, y'all. And uh, and I know how hard film, I, I still occasionally have to rally friends to do stuff, but it's not like retreading our past. It's like, dude, let's just go out and see a fucking band. It's been years. Like yeah. <laughs> it's it'll be healthy. Let's just do it. Yeah, and it, it can be tough because like oh I need a sitter and mm -hmm. oh I don't know if my wife might want to come or whatever. And and this one, I, I mean he he lies and he tricks and he you know gets them to like yeah let's go back to our old hometown and we're going to do this pub crawl. Which a twelve pub pub crawl that's asking for trouble. I do not recommend that many pubs. All right, Chris. Yes. Have you ever done around the world? at Epcot Center. No. Okay, so listeners, around the world is when you drink one alcoholic yeah. beverage at every pavilion at Epcot. It's like $200. Center. So I'm not doing that. Uh, how many pavilions are we talking? <laughs> Eight or nine, I think. Oh. But from Canada, now, Canada to Mexico. Okay, no, but if it's one alcoholic drink, I might be able to handle that. They're doing a beer. Eleven. A full, full pint, it is everyone. That I can't do. I will be full. It doesn't matter how many times I piss. I, I will be so full. <laughs> I will not eat for a day. You're not factoring. You're not factoring in the walking. There is a lot of walking involved. Right. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. So I have tried to do around the world at Epcot Center. Eleven drinks uh, total, which is you know pretty far past my limit, but not like kill me. And right. I've never done it. Yeah. I've tried it twice and i've never been able to make it the whole way and i've wow. oh, that that is on my bucket <laughs> list listeners i have always wanted to just like just push through I, let's do it all the last time i was tried it uh there was a torrential rain pour and i had a t-shirt where florida? they would sign every in florida <laughs> yeah and uh, they would sign the drinks but it was so rainy uh, that my ink just ran all the way down my shirt, <laughs> and I was like soaked to the bone. And I so wish I had made it. Here's the um, thing: you might not. Uh, I if if you've been listening long enough, I probably seem like the more rambunctious of the hosts, given my lack of mm -hmm. kids and loving of drinking. I don't like mm -hmm. to drink in Disney. I don't like to. It's like yeah, I don't. I drink to. Shout everything else down and focus. And here I want to soak in everything. Hmm. And yeah, I did. Have, have either of you done a bar, bar crawl just in general? Yeah, I did recently. I've, I've done a couple. Okay. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't particularly like them because I'm yeah. not a huge bar guy. Yeah. I, I've just discovered a bar crawl that I think I will participate in. Um, there are several, but San Diego is the famous one. The, uh, the Mrs. Roper Romp. I think that might be my jam what? where everyone dresses up as Mrs. Roper from Three's Company. I love Moomoo's, so I'm in. Diana does rock a good wow. Moomoo. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of things I, I loved about this movie, though. The the love of 
different kinds of pubs and pub culture mm -hmm. made me deeply nostalgic. Pubs are so much better than bars. Yeah, I don't, uh, I, don't I don't know that world pubs at all. Are so much better than bars. And it's it's such a good <laughs> gag when they, they go into the first one. And then the second one, which is called The Old Familiar, is the same <laughs> fucking one because they've yes. been homogenized by chains. And then uh. I did not, as the movie was going on, I was like, wait a second. I looked it up and people have pointed out, yes, each pub name tells you something about what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. And if, and the beginning references yeah. what happens later on. Yeah. Like the yes. first two minutes of the film, it's like poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. Hot, so Fuzz I is, love when it, Hot Fuzz is my favorite of the trilogy, but I like yeah. this one more than Shaun of the Dead. Oh, wow. Yes. wow. Have, have you surprised. Have either of you ever watched them back to back? All no, three no, I, ha I have not. I, I, I thought I would because like I got, I don't know if it's still on sale, but like don't usually buy 4K Blu-rays, but they package them as the trilogy and you can get them for like 15 bucks for all three. So I, I recommend Ooh. doing that because it's an Edgar Wright movie. It looks fucking great uh, remastered yep. in 4K. Yeah. No, what what I did, another like thing that I like, though, is that uh, we got some cast members from Spaced popping up. Yeah. I'm always happy to see as part of the Cornetto trilogy. Rewatching Spaced was such a delight for this show. Yep. Oh, my God, everyone. So good. I love that show. I'm seeing tires show up, like, you know, the rave guy being in a suit and not changing his expression and being like, don't talk about what's happening here. I'm like, tires, no, you're supposed to dance all funky. But it, and, I and I almost like, and it's like, I like the movie less when the supernatural shit starts happening. Cause I, 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 I find the, you know, I do too. Yeah. Right up until the supernatural starts. Mm -hmm. It's a excellent human drama about the lived experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't dislike the they're really fucking funny action horror comedy sequences. Well, well all all the films in the trilogy are a bit of a Trojan horse. Yeah, you know they oh, yeah. they all kind of just sneak in their like major plot twist, and it's like okay, now we're dealing with aliens. Okay, now it's zombie time. Okay, now uh, there's a secret yes. conspiracy in this small town. Or would we like to nail down each one of Simon Pegg's repressed sadness in each film and, mm. and how he needs to change in order to be a better human yep. being? And how he always tries to jump a fence and then the fence falls down. Yeah. <laughs> I love that's in every single movie. And I think they did it on Space too. It's the <laughs> same. It's, it's the same. It's like, it's fucking Looney Tunes. It's the same gag, but different. This, this trilogy has everything. I can't say enough nice things about this movie. This film has some of the best beer porn I've ever seen. Oh, I'm not a huge beer guy, but they really shoot the shit out of pouring oh, beer yeah. in film. They make it seem delicious and like almost like like it comes from a bakery. You just want to I want to savor whatever is being poured out of this rotten brass tap. And <laughs> <laughs> do, do either of you have like a specific bar you like associate with your youth? Um yeah. Well, yeah, as in the UK especially, living in the UK, having your local is very huh. much a thing. Yeah. It, just, yeah. yeah, you called your local. There's and I I love that they go through like all the different kinds of names of pubs. Like some people think of like good band names. I'm constantly on the lookout for like I want the best pub name. Yeah. Because obviously, like like most people, that's like my fantasy. This one day I'll open a bar with all my friends. Me, it would be a pub, and I would just like live there, but in the ass end of nowhere, in like Scotland or something. 
that's what I want. Sell six drinks a night. Have you ever gone back to the pub of your youth? I have. Yes. Yes. How was it? Everything felt smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Not not so much. I'm more like, I can't believe they still allow smoking in here. Oh, man. They're really committed (laughs) to being a fucking dive. Uh, Mine was closed down. I, I was oh, after my, not being there for 20 years and it was like it doesn't exist anymore and uh my story is is stupid complicated so I won't go into it but we would go to the bars that would let underage people in and guess what mm-hmm. none of them are there anymore but I have watering mm-hmm. holes from a few years later that are still there and I I frequent them uh occasionally Yeah you see I never got I I've only been served underage in the UK when I was there when I was 16 it would serve me um, but that was it. But then when I actually lived in the UK, I was 20. So it it was special. And then I came back to the US and I had two weeks where I wasn't allowed to drink. And then I could drink again because <laughs> I hit 21 and it was fucking dumb. And then I went, and I'm like, all right, I can go again. And then it's like, these bars suck. <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. I wanted a fucking pub with a fruit machine. God damn it. I knew this English guy and I told him once, you know, I have, I've, 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 man, you know, I, 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 I've always wanted to go to a pub, man. And he just looked at me and he was like, you're talking about it like it's a religious experience, dude. It's different, but, man. But I've had different. the appeal of an English pub. Uh, I don't just, know. You got to get hammered I've faster, never done right? Because they close earlier. Well, yeah, that's true. You got 11 p.m. Unless sometimes they have a big sign that says late license where you can stay till one. Ooh. Ooh. But uh, yeah, 11 p.m. Uh, 10:50, they will ring. There's a fucking bell, a giant steps bell. Every pub is like required to have, and they'll they'll, they'll take last calls. So they never really bring that up in this that they're on a ticking clock, but they seem to be starting pretty early. Yeah. Well, uh, 12 pubs yeah. is a lot. It is, but you're walking, and like if you do it over what six hours, mm-hmm. it's totally doable. Yeah. As long as oh, you yeah, factor in cool. walking, because the Half last an one hour I, each pub plus walking time. The last one I did, yeah. they got a bus with a bartender oh. on the bus, and it's just oh, like God. I have to slow down. This is like all the drinks on the <laughs> bus are free. Why are we leaving the bus? <laughs> mm. Yeah, see that's my problem. I like I said, I would just become too full. So like I, I feel like I could do twelve shots a lot easier than I could do twelve pints. But I'll hold you just, that. I'd be too slow. Also, I'm a. I really like stout, and that's a meal. Yeah, like, new stouts. <laughs> yeah. New stouts is a fucking meal. So <laughs> that is a foot long sub worth of calories. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I am gonna pitch this. If yeah. we ever get together in Disney World, mm-hmm. I do want to do around All the right. world with y'all. Oh, All I'm right. in. I'm totally in. All right. Except I, yeah. boycotting the state of Florida. But if that ever changes, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have one of the avocado martinis. They're delicious. Well, oh. maybe just send me the recipe and I'll drink along at home. Okay. Okay. We'll just Zoom Diane. <laughs> just Zoom me. I was Zoom bar crawl. I don't have to put on shoes. She gets That's hammered so at her better. podcast station. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a lot less likely for me to throw up in bushes that way, but I mean, I don't know. Oh, I don't uh, want to yeah, I honestly I don't want to stop talking about the world's end because like there's so much fun stuff in it. The the scene where the the pub is actually a club. That's not mm. really a club. It's a movie theater. And Simon Pegg and Nick Frost recorded a special intro to the movie just to play at that one theater to be Aww. like, congratulations, everyone. You're going to watch this movie in a location it was filmed in. Oh, like, oh that's so much fun. I love this, that. Someone out there did the court, did this trilogy minute by minute. 
Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to listen to it mm. because there's there's a lot of density yeah, in man. this and yeah. all the other ones films like when we're introduced to everyone in the first part of the film in the flashback, we see their nicknames in childish fonts. And then two minutes later, when we're introduced to them as grownups, we see their full name with grownup fonts, except for King. He mm. never had a nickname, so he never grows up. Uh-huh. I'm telling you, man, that Edgar Wright is like, he was, he can't call him the new Scorsese, but he was the next Scorsese. Movie obsessed, seen everything in the world, knows how to make great for references and fill his movies full of enjoyable shit. And you'll notice new things every single time you watch them. It's so great. They're dense. That yeah. is a good point. Even outside of the Cornetto trilogy, mm-hmm. that is a thousand percent true. I love Edgar they are, Wright. They are Dense works. Yep. You, you, we, com- we complain about the movies we watch on Instagram. Follow him on Instagram to see how many movies he watches. It is astounding. <laughs> like uh, that's all he does. It's amazing. Yep. And uh, yep. all right, all right, we got to move on. He's to a the- fun follow on Twitter, but yeah, I don't want to move on because we've got. A I didn't watch movie it. Movie that nobody cares about. Did <laughs> yeah. anyone watch it? No. No, no. There's, there's there's no way no. we can serve our audience here by no we get we get the it's the next Twilight slash Hunger Games slash Harry Potter and uh Aiden Turner Re- Jonathan Reese Myers Godfrey Gal Jared, got great actors in it Jared, I love these yeah. people Jared Harris Chernobyl Lena Headey Game of Thrones Cersei Cersei baby Robert Millay uh, Kevin Durant Jamina West uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> Robert Sheehan, I, Jamie Campbell Bowser, Lily Collins, the mortal instruments, colon, this city of bones. The mortal instruments. Bye, Mom. You make sure you come straight home. Mom, come on. What are you looking at? Why can I see you and no one else can? You have an incredible gift. Just like your mother. Mom! She's part of a world you cannot imagine, Clara. She was trying to protect you. I have to find her. Humanity is on the very brink of extinction. This is about more than us. You are the key to our survival. The mortal instruments. You know. Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. So I, we I, got a secret world that's underneath the regular world, and then we have someone whose parents are special, so they're the only, they're the chosen one who can fix the blah, blah, blah. Yes, the Harry Potter of the new moon. It is a very, I mean, maybe the books are great, but like it. it the, the... All right, you know what? I, I, I will say that Um, it's funny that we're talking about this right after we talk about the second per- Percy Jackson movie, which ended that mm-hmm. series, because we heard I, I on Twitter. I heard from a whole bunch of people who are much younger than me mm-hmm. all saying the Percy Jackson books are great. The fans hate the movies and the they're rebooting a TV show and it looks much better. And I'm willing to bet this is similar. Oh, it has to be. Like, yeah. uh, like even, yeah. even Harry Potter. There, this could... got a rebooted television series in 2016 it called did? Shadow Hunters. Right. <laughs> and that actually ran for a while, I think. And Three was seasons. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Again, maybe that's where it should be. Yeah. I just thought I'm. Uh, I have no problem with adapting young adult literature and we're in this no, big heyday of young adult literature at this point. And it's like, yeah, but could we, could we have a little bit more of a twist on the the tropes maybe? Or, yeah. or are they just sanding off all the edges for the widest possible audience? And, and it's, it's the filmmaker's fault. It's not the fault of the, the story. 
because uh, yeah, this is about half angel people and they're fighting things that most of us mortals can't see. And then they need Lily Collins because she's the chosen one and they're going to something, something, something. And uh, uh, yeah. And this uh, bombed, it didn't make its money back at the end. And that was the end of that. Yeah. One and done. I don't know that we've talked about one of those yet. So I guess divergence as the one, like I'll never watch that series. <laughs> and like, this is sub divergence, sub Percy Jackson. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Steve. Yeah. And, you tell them. Uh, so let us know what we're missing out yeah. on, because like Mortal Instruments, City of Bones, whatever. The more I, I read about it before I tried to make time to watch it, I'm just like there's I can't do this any service. This we're filing this no. under my boss's daughter. So move on to television. A bunch of other stuff I can't even speak on. Modern Dads debuts on E and A and E. What? It's a reality TV show about uh, stay-at-home fathers. Uh, listeners, uh, I've been a stay-at-home dad for about three years total. It was two separate times because babies require more work than any other time. So oh, God, yes. It's, it's a lot of work. I'm glad someone uh, tried to show it. I, I never watched it, but I'm glad there's some representation out there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's a tough job. And people, I feel like people have, it's, I blame everything on sexism, but yeah, people think that like, oh, look, dad's babysitting his kids. Like, no, he's a fucking caretaker. He's supposed to be caretaking. And some dads, they're better at it. Or mom just has a better job. I don't know. Single dad. Stay-at-home dads are heroes to me. Oh, just heroes. Um, just kidding. Yeah, Swim. Look at what's weird about that, man. Uh, TV movie. It's still a very minority position, Diana. Mm-hmm. I can tell you from personal experience. When I know. you know, I was going to these various things. It was like, okay, I'm the only dad here. All yep. right, then. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know. They, do they still call it mommy and me? Usually, I yeah. Or, or it's yeah. the equivalent. You know, it is what it is. Yep. That's sexist and bullshit. And uh, also out this week, Swindle, t- a TV movie slash miniseries, was launching a miniseries or a eventual miniseries. I don't know, Swindle. It was on Disney. Uh, it's a, it's about a book. It's based on a book. There's this boy who sells a uh, multi-million dollar baseball card uh, for not enough, and then he tries to regain the card. Okay. Ah. <laughs> Uh, well, I love moving into games after Mortal Instruments. I wish I could have segued right, right there because this is a week about dead ends. Dead ends <laughs> from 10 years ago. Uh, Disney Infinity hits everything. And that was Disney's taking it, like buying up a bunch of companies. Disney does not make many games anymore. It kind of got rid of all of its internal studios and kind of combined them all together to make a Toys to Life game, Amiibo style how can this lose? Well, launching it with Lone Ranger doesn't help. But uh, <laughs> oh, I made the mistake. They didn't do it as like, this is a celebration of Disney. They did it as this is a way to market our current thing that's in theaters or our current yeah. television show or whatever. And their slogan was play without limits. But holy cow, there are a lot of where limits. there are a lot, ton of limits. Yep. Like, <laughs> Like an infuriating limit. It's not like, how do I unlock this? Like, this is telling me unless I buy a piece of plastic, I can't go here. Uh, Like, I can't access this area of the game. And and I think I found out way later, it's very easy to 
pirate and recreate those codes, <laughs> those physical codes, and they sell a ton of them on Am. People fill, sell a ton of, ton of them on Amazon. You just tap it. It doesn't look like Jack Sparrow, but it'll unlock everything you need. Uh, but but I also think it was also I don't want to say Minecrafty, but like the idea was to build your own worlds using some Disney IP, but like level building and share those. And I think that that's the kind of thing I wish they like. No, make that a free beta, and then start selling people the seventy dollar hmm. horse shit. And I guarantee you, if you set up like the Disney equivalent of Minecraft, where it's like create your own Disney experiences, mm-hmm. you can have uh, the Jungle Book mished up with the Rescuers. There are so many people who would love to do that, make their own thing. This wasn't it, and. The toys to life craze is pretty much dead these days. I'm holding up my uh, my Baloo from Disney Infinity. <laughs> I never touched it to the game. I'm just like, you can buy a Baloo figure in, in 2015. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Toys to life is pretty much dead in 2023. And they, it's a shame Disney never really did a good job at it. And they, they try, it got better and better with, they added Marvel next and then Star Wars. And you could all interact with these different, toys and areas it just it was needlessly restricted and kind of costly to get into and overshot their their wad i i love the the failure people were like the yondu action figure no kid wants a yondu action figure <laughs> that unlocks things in the game uh but yeah it's got again a dead end but it, it hit everything and when i go into retro game stores like this is the stuff it doesn't seem to be any sellable nostalgia about. You can still get these fucking things for a, like a dollar. And these figures are beautiful. They figured out this uniform style for all characters in the Disney universe, including Star Wars and uh, Pixar and Marvel and Disney stuff that look great standing next to one another. Anyway, uh, another dead end. This was the big expensive resurrection of the XCOM series, The Bureau colon XCOM declassified first person shooter nobody cared when XCOM <laughs> enemy unknown came out the whole world got excited for this franchise again and it continues to move on move forward without this big fancy budgeted version Saints Row 4 there was a Saints oh. Row reboot recently but this is a dead end this is the end of the road for the Saints Row series and it was for almost 10 years uh I think I don't know. I've heard it's good. It's it's, what, what it's totally fun because they're batshit and they throw everything. Right. Every like what else used to call it painting yourself into a corner. You offered too many weirdo things here. Went absolutely nuts and you can't go any more nuts. There's nothing else. Once you, can you have do. a gun that shoots dildos, where do you go from there? You can be a toilet holding a gun that shoots dildos, <laughs> flying from an F-14. You and selecting Nolan North's voice. Um, <laughs> it's I, I know Michael used to you know, love to show me parts of this, usually involving him and Keith David, mm-hmm. <laughs> because Keith David as himself as the vice president. Yes, you begin this game as president. <laughs> uh, you're a right. gang member turned president. It's batshit, and I don't envy trying to to top this because it's kind of untoppable. But like the reboot didn't blow up a lot of people's skirts. Uh, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Blacklist. Splinter Cell was like a really high profile Ubisoft series for a very long time, and this is the this is a dead end for it. It is it was over here. Some 
talked about reboots, never saw the light of day. I, I did not realize it had been 10 years since we'd seen uh, Michael Ironside take the role of Sam Fisher uh, once Gosh. again. How many Splinter Cell games are there? That seems like there were, I think, six or seven, but there might be other mobile seven. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, burned pretty hot over the course of what was, I think, only a single decade, like eleven years. Uh, But then on the other flip side, you got flash flashback on Xbox. Um, Is this the old game? I don't even know. And uh, Uh, this is a reboot of the 1992 game. It's you know two and a half d uh seems like a decent enough reboot if you really love flashback back in the day i thought i did then i never played this but skull girls for for pc was that game cool yeah this has a lot of controversy year 2023 oh no what happened so the how old are them skull girls the creators of Skullgirls decided there were problematic elements in the original version so they changed it and uh it automatically updated and you couldn't opt out of it and a lot of the fans were like we like the edginess we wanted the edginess we pot we bought and paid for this game and you're changing it without our permission their argument is like mm-hmm. imagine et when uh steven spielberg said i don't want any guns and if instead of just making a new version, he made it so that anytime you put your VHS copy of the original ET that you purchased into a VHS player, it automatically uploaded and rewrote it as the version without guns. Mm. Would you be happy with that? Of course not. No. <laughs> of course not. But it does happen from time to time. And I'm just not going to lose any sleep over it. But Skullgirls was a, a great 2D, beautiful looking 2D fighting game with super independent roots that, that I, I remember like I'm watching the development of this more than I'll ever play it because of how pretty it looks, but it's not for me at the end of the day. Cause I don't like, I don't spend, spend a lot of time on fighting games. Well, skull, but with all that out of the way, we're almost done with the show. Let's get some plugs out of the way. Patreon.com slash laser time. Give us five bucks. We'll give you a bunch of extra shows. We got, uh, these two, uh, wackadoos talking about Indiana Jones and, with mild things like, man, what the fuck is Disney supposed to do with their movies now? They've had a rough summer. Um, but more than that, it was about this character that we all kind of found endearing and kind of face-planted for the first time in uh, history. Um, and an episode of 80s in Depth is mm-hmm. up covering both Bond movies that came out in 1983. That's true. Man, I saw some people in the community trying to embark on a rewatch of both of those. Like, you better like Bond movies, man, because these are two Ooh. bad ones. Oh, uh, no. Two bad ones. No, we, we are watching them for you, not not to entice you to go do that yourself. <laughs> oh, I boy. will reiterate, I defend them both. Yes, you do. And you can listen to that on the bonus time episode. Yeah. I, as, as a practical, like, the closest thing you know to a Bond virgin, just like this is the silliest shit I've ever seen, and it's <laughs> slow and boring. Um, and uh, and 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 then uh, Video Game Apocalypse this week. There is no Mister Diana Goodman, uh, Michael Rapares. He is out, man. Maybe forever, nope. not forever. Nope. But uh, but Matt and I are taking the reins. It's the anti Michael show. Let's see what we get up to. <laughs> you're just gonna have me on and just just tell mean yeah. stories about it yeah it's a, yeah get diane on yeah. some real shitty michael anecdotes 
Uh, or or like, uh, yeah, tell us about the time he cried on the roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, all of, (laughs) anyway, uh, and then, uh, Di, where can folks find you at? They can find me again for now uh, on Jitter at Listen Nerd L E C I N E N E R D or follow the show at 302010podcast302010podcast. We'll podcast. let you know when the show is up and the movies that we recommend and where we can find them to watch them because we recommended a whole bunch of movies this week and they're really good and you should watch them. Coming up next week, it's a lot like this week where it's like 2003 and 2013 are not that busy. Like there's not much we we got a boy band movie that's so exciting but 93 is like packed with smaller movies where uh stephen king's gonna have an evil store mel gibson's Mm. going to be evil by directing for the first time (laughs) and america is going to be introduced but not fall in love with a little boy no one like named roberto benini Ooh, okay (laughs) and if that wasn't enough we are going to talk about Bruce Campbell's best TV show of all time. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, Yeehaw, motherfuckers. Yeehaw, motherfuckers. <laughs> David Letterman is going to change channels. Ooh. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a good headline. It's, it's the end of F-Zero. Yeah, pretty much. And saving the biggest IP for last. Go. Go. <laughs> What? Go, go, Power Rangers. Ah, there we go. Sorry. I was thinking (laughs) Expector Gadget or the uh, ecstasy comedy, but no. Uh, Oh, and anyway, with that, that we're going to tell you who died and do a little quiz you can play along with on who was born during this year. Hopefully I will not dominate like I did last week with Hulk Hogan. That was almost unfair to Diana. Um, That was close. It was uh, closer than I thought it'd be. uh, Uh, Who died? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We lost two artistic geniuses this week. God damn it. Let's start. In 2003, we lost Wesley Willis, who was only 40. Yeah. I'm not allowed to be older than Wesley but Willis. He, uh, I met him. Fuck. What? I met him right before he died. Oh, I was going to say, fuck you. Le- I think it was leukemia. Whatever. Fuck you, cancers of any sort. Uh, Wesley Willis is. Where did you meet him? At his show. Oh. At, at his show. Uh, I w- I've seen him live several times. My friend was obsessed with him. I was momentarily obsessed with him. It's hard to describe what Wesley Willis does, but he kind of makes the same song over and over again. And when I when I, when I I met him finally, I was like, is any of this appropriate? He has, a, <laughs> he's a very large man, has literal handlers like he was a child. And I'm just not sure... If, is this exploitation of some kind? I'm not sure what we're doing yeah, here is right. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was a man with schizophrenia um, who had had a pretty, you know, tough life, tough go of it. And, um, you know, he had problems, you know, with abuse, of being a victim of crime. And, but he loved music. He loved to song. He loved to write and sing songs. You, know, you love pop culture. One- he sang a bunch <laughs> of songs about what he loved. Notice, notice it was basically basically one song yeah. but yeah it's true outsider art of this guy there you go and, that's a better way to put it once it, how he wants to sing he fronted a pop band called the wesley willis fiasco for a bit um i guess it was more punk and stuff but uh yeah it's one of those things where it's like you start going down that rabbit hole and you're just like i don't know why i like this but i really really 
really do. Rock I and Roll want, McDonald's or I Whip Batman's Ass. Either one of those. I want I want to hear a song Classics. that sounds like every one of his other songs about what he thinks about the band Gravity Kills. It's going to be like a review. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, it's going to be him talking over a backing track mm-hmm. and then he'll be badly singing the chorus and rock over London, rock over Chicago. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Wesley Willis, uh, out, outsider art. God damn it. You know, I, I just put in my annual thing to the national film archive demanding that they put plan nine from outer space mm-hmm. into the library of Congress registry. And it's, it's the same kind of thing where it's like, this is technically bad, but I'm charmed. It's awesome. And it's free. Just put it in there. Yeah. So, Anyway, one more death. In 2013, we lost Elmore fucking Leonard, who was 87. One of my favorite writers because it's his his language is very straightforward, but Mm -hmm. his plots are fucking great. What did he write? Get Shorty, Jackie Brown, Out of Sight, 310 to Yuma, fucking Justified. Justified. Airing to Yuma. That was him. Yes. Yeah, that's based on one of his short stories. Wait, that's like an old movie, isn't it? Yeah, it's based on around that long. He was old. Wow. Yeah, he he's a guy that wrote crime fiction. He wrote a lot of it. Okay, yeah, an eighty-seven-year-old who died ten years ago. All right, yeah, yeah, writing stuff in the sixties, back in the fifties. No, he was back in the fifties. He wrote Ombre with uh, Paul Newman. Mm. Yeah, Mister Majestic with uh, blah blah blah. Peoples. Yeah, fucking (laughs) Elmore Leonard. Like, man, that is the some of the best beach reading. Mm. Where it's like, there's a lot of crime in, there's a lot of double crossing, but it's also very easy to read, but fun. Nice, nice, nice. So, nice. Yeah. R.I.P. to both of those. And with those deaths out of the way, what do we have, Jr.? It's time for the birthday quiz. Birthday time. Turning 50. 50. A youngster. Born August 24th, 1973 in Washington, D.C., his father was the professor of vocal performance and the dean of students at Antioch College in Yellow Springs, Ohio. Dave Chappelle. His mother. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was it? <sighs> it is uh, David Carey Weber Chappelle. <laughs> Sorry, I should have saved it. I should have, but I wasn't sure either. Ah. Knew, but okay. once it, I knew both his parents were teachers, and he went to school in D.C. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, wow. His mother worked for Congolese Prime Minister uh, oh. Patrice Lumumba. Lumumba, yeah. Patrice yes. Lumumba. He's a big guy. And uh, some of his films include Robin Hood, Men in Tights, The Nutty <laughs> Professor, Con Air, You Got Mail, Blue Streak, Undercover Brother, Dave Chappelle's Block Party, obviously I wouldn't say the full name, and <laughs> A Star is Born. And yeah. his first lead Better. role was in the 1998 comedy Half-Baked. Half-Baked. Classic. Got a commentary for that on wow. our Patreon if you want to watch along with us with your old friends. Uh, yeah. Uh, happy birthday, uh, Dave Chappelle. Please. Yeah, happy birthday to her. <laughs> uh, he worked I'm, in if a... He's not going to res- if he's not going to respect people's gender identity, I'm not going to respect his. Yeah. Hers. Hers. I heard... I heard uh, what da- David Lynch say it in the news. I just watched the new season of Twin Peaks, the new season. Change your heart <laughs> or die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a t-shirt. Uh. That, that's amazing. No, Dave Chappelle is uh, 
frustratingly talented. Yes. Great way to put that. Um, a man I love and I'm currently very disappointed in. Um, yeah. but, but yes, happy but birthday, God Dave damn. Chappelle. And we said, yeah, we said he was 19 when Robin mm-hmm. yeah. came out. That's fucking nuts. And he'd been doing stand-up for a while. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah, hmm. well, happy birthday. This week, JR, we're going to close with the woot. There it is. Just to get the, all the, the there it is is in here from the ni- yep. 1993. As, as promised, this is the 95 South Woot. There it is, which is now number 12 on the charts in 1993. Well, whoop by tag team is still number two. It's true. It's true. And the only only tag team got a Disney-fied version. Please look up the Mickey rap album. I think we did a whole laser time about it because it's so <laughs> ridiculous. But uh, they, talk they, about they cover the Rednick movies. They they get the the uh, the end of Adam's family values. True. So embarrassing. It's true, but this it, film's one flaw. But this is about ninety-five South. So, and I'm sure they'd want you to go to Patreon.com/slash Laser Time and get your half-baked commentary. Five bucks, hundred movie commentaries, hundreds of extra shows, including stuff with these guys related to all the stuff we're talking about. Let's go out with Woot. There it is. Tell a friend about the show. We love you. We'll see you next week. Woo!